Radio Universe. It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. For all the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in this arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Smile at you and kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! Woo! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, but he know that wrestling, bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in internet land, and welcome Episode 276 of The Straight Shooters, available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Pacona, Philly Voice, and the Philly Influencer. And we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us for episode, again, 276. We had another deep dive, another chapter in our March to WrestleMania series. We... We stopped off at WrestleMania 29 last week, both Nick and I's first WrestleMania experience in person. Well, now we're going to do the next year, WrestleMania 30, which Nick believes is the single greatest WrestleMania of all time. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk all about it because I this was my second WrestleMania in person. Nick, you watched it from home. I did. Um, but so I have I'll talk about all about my trip and my unique experience down in New Orleans for that weekend. Uh, but before we dive into all of that, I gotta do my weekly check-in with my main man Pots and Pans, Nick Pacone. How you doing tonight, my good brother? It's March eleventh, twenty twenty one, and it's the earliest I have ever used my air conditioner uh, through the winter into the spring. So uh, it's hot, man. It was hot today. I think uh, Philadelphia set a record. It was like seventy. 73 or 75 something like that mid 70s it was and uh i'm a private person Vaughn, so i don't i don't like opening my windows too much so (laughs) i just slap on that air and i'm you know i have my air on right now and i feel comfortable so i'm just kind of like go figure march 11th i'm usually freezing when i start you know i start coaching baseball when i when i coached uh, the first week of march and it'd be freezing outside, and I hated it. And now, this year, uh, getting a little, getting a little warm, a little early, and I don't like it one bit. It's like Mother Nature knew that we've been through hell and back in the last year, <laughs> and it's like we'll throw you a bone to start spring a little early this year. Like, yeah, I mean, it? a lot of people like it, uh, and that's fine. But I, I like my cold. You know, through March into April. So. Uh, I'm good. I, I, I want it to be warm. Let's get after it. Let's get these vaccines popping. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And let's yeah, get out my, here in the uh, streets again. My first shot Saturday is coming up. So uh, yeah. excited for that. I should I should live stream it. No, I won't. You should. That's, that could be episode 276 sure and a half. <laughs> I don't think so. But <laughs> I also had, I had my first shot last Wednesday. So uh, we're on our way, bro. Things are happening. That, how are those voices in your head? Are they kind of like helping you along? Uh, I gotta, I gotta actually talk to Randy Orton about that. I know he yeah. has voices. Uh, I, some of them are talking about Soldier Boy and his quote-unquote baby mamas and stuff like that. But uh, 
but yeah, I got I got to consult Randy Orton on that. I guess the voices in my head. But um, just tweet him. Just tweet him. Yeah, just Hold tweet on. him. And he'll talk about my baby mamas, which I only got one. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, I just you know thinking about it, it's like it's March 11th, and you just mentioned that. It's like damn, it's been a year since this pandemic has started, at least here in the states. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. what a wild and crazy year it's been. So, uh, to all those out there who uh, were adversely affected, which adversely affected pretty much everyone, unless you were like filthy rich and you made money during this pandemic. Mm. But if you're not, if you're like you know the rest of the world, ninety seven percent of the world, <laughs> and you're not filthy rich, <laughs> uh, you were adversely affected in some way. Whether it was a loss of wages, a loss of life in your family, or your loss of you know something that's insignificant in in the grand scheme of things, but it's still I think it contributes to one's mental health and that's like a loss of a social life because you didn't get to go out you didn't get to see your friends you didn't get to see your family members so uh we're still we're not out of the woods yet and it you know we're, we're almost there's some light at the end of the tunnel and uh we just saw that biden said that uh all eligible all adults can get vaccinated pretty much after may 1st mm-hmm. which is like damn <laughs> uh didn't see that coming so that's going to make the, the clinics, I'm sure, a lot busier now once May hits. Um, but, you know, hey, even when this kind of starts to wind down, still take measures and, like, you know, not yeah. spread germs willingly. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's it's a reason. to change people's behavior. Yeah, there's a reason the, the flu numbers were down this year. You know, the mask wearings, you know, constantly washing your hands. Like, it's pretty clear that not everyone... Uh, takes their hygiene seriously so um i think that obviously helps uh this winter and uh you know why not just do it you know every year i i don't understand you know there's a if we can avoid you know the just even the flu like the worst of flus then i think we're doing a good job so right so keep those masks on and uh you know let's get through this yeah, appreciate everybody out there who was listening to us throughout this pandemic. Uh, I know it's been tough, like I said, for everyone. Uh, so we appreciate y'all rocking with us this whole time. Uh, hopefully everything's going for international listeners as well. I know things are looking yeah. pretty good here in the States. That don't mean it's like that elsewhere. So uh, so we still got you guys in our thoughts as well. <laughs> and in some places it's even better. So uh, right, keep, right. keep it that way. Keep it that way over there, you know, you guys. Uh, we thank you because you know we could easily just pack up shop, you know, because you know, like we're not like we could have just easily done that, but uh, we kept coming at you with, with episodes and stuff, and now we kind of like almost shifted a little bit in these deep dives and you know, getting a lot of love from them, and uh, we definitely appreciate that, yeah. So well, let's keep the party going here on the Stray Shooters let's. with our latest deep dive, the greatest. In- WrestleMania ever. to WrestleMania 30. Now, like you just mentioned, this is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Now, let's never let's not forget the fact that we did a tournament back in what 2016, <laughs> talking about all the WrestleManias to that point and which one was the greatest. And none of the ones that have happened since then would even remotely change our minds in that <laughs> I mean, like they, they've had great moments but the pay, uh, pay, the pay-per-view as a whole definitely not uh none of them are considered you know the greatest of all time exactly especially last year's 2020 was just i mean come on it, it wasn't really anybody's fault it's just what what it was right, it's just right. but 
uh, the, our final matchup in that tournament was WrestleMania 30 going up against WrestleMania 17. And myself and Brian Isley. Stop the count. <laughs> we both voted for and certified that election of <laughs> WrestleMania 17 without a hitch, by the way. And Nick was on the on the island by himself, saying that WrestleMania they 30 was indeed in. the greatest. They you wouldn't let me in. No, no, we kept counting. <laughs> we kept counting, but uh, <laughs> so this is. This is an all-timer, even though we didn't necessarily win that bracket, but it's still finished second. It's a runner-up, and I don't think again anyone in the you know anyone WrestleMania over the last couple of years since we did that bracket would supplant it as even number two. So, I wanted to know your thoughts. Though, why was this still to this day in your mind the greatest WrestleMania of all time? Not not only. Uh, you know, the opening promo was the opening promo. I, I kind of even forgot that happened until I watched this back. You, you get Daniel Bryan and Triple H in the first match of the night. Gr- great story going in. Uh, great match. And, you know, you have Daniel Bryan winning. And then just that storyline through the night. You have Cesaro, who is, you know, one of the most beloved <laughs> wrestlers in de- on the WWE roster. Especially, you know, if you peruse twitter or any social media uh he's been it's been like that for years and you know i thought he body slammed the big show over the top rope man this is his moment obviously we know that nothing really came to that but just you know we look at that moment and that's where i i was like cesaro's breakout like this is awesome the end of the streak whether you think it was a good idea or a bad idea it was the best in my opinion the best possible way to end the streak because nobody Ooh. expected it to happen. And you okay. got legitimate reactions from everybody. <laughs> I read, I was on Twitter, even my jaw dropped, honestly. I was watching it with my friend, and uh, I obviously did not expect that to happen. I expected a kick out because I was like, the, the Undertaker's not losing, you know, he's not losing to Brock. And then once that three hit the mat, like I, my jaw literally dropped, and that hasn't happened very often uh, when I'm watching something. I just, that's not how I react to things. Even that shocked me. And I read on Twitter that there were people that were actually leaving the Superdome. That's because wild. Of that happened. Yeah. That's, and, you know, I maybe, hope that's not true. I, I, it's hard to fathom. Like, there were no videos back then. Nobody was taking a video and then posting it. I mean, they were just there were videos. It was still social media. Well, I mean, not, not a, yeah. in 2014, it wasn't as common. So, like, uh, at that point, they're just tweeting. You know, they're not worried about getting a, rea- a reaction of people leaving and then posting it. They're just, they see them leaving, then they go to Twitter. They're like, oh, people are leaving. So I don't know if they were trying to, you know. Meanwhile, they were just going to the concession stand yeah, and coming possible. back, going to the bathroom. Entirely I, possible. Imagine leaving WrestleMania after that. Uh, that's wild. Not not what Daniel Bryan set to be in the main event either. So I Also, I, I paid money that. to be here. I'm not leaving <laughs> this show early. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I always believe that. Uh, yeah, would it have been nice for someone to get that rub from beating The Undertaker? Lesnar didn't exactly need it, but we know what they did with him the rest of the year. We know that nobody expected that to happen, so every reaction was genuine, and you just you see everyone get up after the ref counts three in the front row. You like all rush 
to the barricade, it reminded me of Montreal, <laughs> a screw job in '97. Like that, we don't see that anymore in the modern era. Like they don't, there's no reactions like that. So I thought that was a great moment, just uh, based off sheer like realism. And then obviously you have uh, Daniel Bryan winning the championship in the main event, which was an all timer moment. Uh, yeah, the D still had the Divas moniker back then, and you had the you know Invitational match. It wasn't even exactly a battle royal, but you know you got them. It was the first card that you really saw them trying to get everybody on there, like they did you know back in the early days of WrestleMania, where they had like you know twelve, thirteen, fourteen matches that mm-hmm. lasted two or three minutes. Um, so you got like at least a lot of people on the card. So I don't know the, the whole set, the whole the purple motif where like it just looked like one of the best WrestleManias ever. Like aesthetically and what they did in the ring, the storylines, the who won. I just loved everything about it. I will say this. I don't think it's the best of all time. I still think WrestleMania seventeen is the best of all time. I will say WrestleMania thirty is still probably the second best of all time. I'm, and and it's up there to me, the conversation is with I think this is our final four. I think 19 was in the picture for final for the final four. Mm. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, maybe, I'm maybe trying to 31. remember that bracket. Maybe 31. That was a pretty good one, at least with, for, as far as the ending. Um, I think the top three, though, would be like 17, 30, and 19 would be yeah, like probably you know my what? three favorites. I'll re-upload uh, our bracket episode because, uh, hey, yeah. March, March Madness. And yeah, why not? Did a, we did a few bracket episodes with Hell in Cell earlier. Uh, a few months ago, so uh, right. I'll, I'll re-upload those to the feed so we have a little March Madness going on. Right, so I think those are like the three, at least my three favorites. There's some other ones in there probably to, to consider, but I think those are the top three in my head at least. 30 was a great show because it was the Daniel Bryan story woven throughout. We had, like you said, the genuinely shocking moments. The fans were just ready to be excited. You know, they were just ready to, to celebrate something happening big happening and we got to see multiple times something big happened throughout the show so from multiple fronts it's a historic show like you look back at it it's like damn this was a lot happened at this show <laughs> like yeah. where rest sometimes WrestleMania can come and go and it's like oh what well, that was that was a show but like this was this was not one of those this is a, a big one so uh like I said we're going to talk all about all those matches all those things but we got to provide a little bit of context for this and the timing is interesting because this was the first major WWE show on the WWE Network. Mm. Now, NXT TakeOver was the first like real show, like the big wrestling show that he had. But this was like the first main roster show that was exclusively on WWE Network, if I recall correctly. I mean, they might have. I don't think Elimination Chamber was on. Was it no, on WWE Network? No, it wasn't. And Fastlane had not, uh, you know, been birthed. Yeah, so Elimination right. Chamber was the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania, and that was the last one that was uh, only offered on, you know, terrestrial pay-per-view, so. Right. Yep. And this was back when they was just hawking it, like, nine ninety nine. you get this, and blah, 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 and it's doing all that stuff, and it was just every week they was doing it. But it's crazy to think that the WWE Network, here we are seven years later, and it's about to be no more. Yeah. Like it's as about we to be know done. It. Yeah, as we know it. Yeah, like which is kind of a shame. My biggest gripe is like the chapters that they're kind of going to get rid of. But 
Um, I've yeah, if that's true, that's stupid. Yeah, I've grown accustomed. You know, the users have grown accustomed to really uh, perusing the WWE Network a certain way, and uh, it's going to be completely different. And hell, you know, there could be content that's not there, and um, mm-hmm. that's my biggest uh, worry about it. We'll see. We'll see when that happens. But in 2014, when they announced the WWE Network, when it when it launched, it was like a massive deal. And I'm sure, oh yeah, a lot of people are listening probably still remember it because it's only seven years ago. It felt like yesterday when it first launched. I took off. And I remember the, the day it dropped, and it was, <laughs> right. And I remember the day it launched, and it was like I was sitting in front of my computer just like everybody else, <laughs> and like you see all this content. It's like, well, I can watch Raw from '97 again, like yeah. and whatever, and. It was it was buggy in the beginning. The uh, interface, the, the it wasn't great, but it was okay, and it's gotten better over the years with with how it's looked and stuff like that. But uh, they had some original shows and whatnot. But I remember it was just it was a massive deal. I'm thinking of like this is this is the future. Like this is not even like the future. This is like how it is now. Because you got to remember, this was wasn't when every network started popping up with their own streaming services. Like, that's that's a recent trend where, like, Paramount has a streaming service. Yeah. NBC has Peacock now. Uh, you know, this seems like there's a there's tons of Disney Plus is a thing. It really, the, the streaming services was Netflix and Hulu. <laughs> like, that was pretty much yep. it. Yep. Right? And they didn't, they didn't even have sports on, like, the, there's no YouTube TV yet. There's no Hulu Plus or Hulu Sports, nothing like that. It was just Netflix and Hulu at that point. That I can remember. There might, might have been other ones, but I don't really remember them. Uh, but those no, are the two most prominent ones. Yeah, they weren't like yeah. You used the word they weren't like prominent if there were. Um, right. Or, so. So to have WWE come into that space and start their own thing, I don't. Did UFC have something yet? Because UFC, I don't know if they even had their own thing yet. Back I mean, in 2014. If, I don't either. And if it was Fight Pass, uh, it. It wasn't. Com- it wasn't comp- what WWE was doing. Yeah, it wasn't comparable to uh, the WWE no. network. So because WWE was given the premium prime programming away for nine ninety nine. Yeah, UFC wasn't doing that, and they still don't do that. You still got to pay seventy dollars for a pay per view on ESPN Plus mm. for UFC. But this was, I'm like, damn, this is it. Like, this is going to catch fire, and this this is how people are going to consume wrestling. And it kind of was that way because you see other promotions start their own streaming services: New Japan World. Uh, Impact had their own thing, or still have it. Uh, that's the, the wrestling was the World Wrestling Network, WWN. That kind of sprouted yeah. up, and yeah. uh, you know, it seemed like everyone had like started going into that direction. But the problem was that the wrestling fandom it never, just like we've already talked about, it never really grew outside of that million, million and a half or so people that would subscribe to the WWE Network, right? Yeah. Remember in the beginning when it wasn't even available internationally? It was like yeah. only available in certain <laughs> countries. You had to do like commit for six months. You couldn't yeah. do it month by month. Or you get the first month free and all that stuff. And it was just it's a bunch of weird stuff with that. <laughs> like it, was so, yeah. it was so weird in hindsight. Like just just have people subscribe for nine ninety nine, bro. Like make this simple. Yeah, but, it's, um, kinda, it's interesting because I think a lot of those streaming services that popped up after the fact kind of looked at, you know, the not just the WWE Network, but like all the streaming services, what worked, what didn't, what can, you know, they improve upon before they actually launched. Like Disney Plus didn't seem to have that many problems uh, that I recall. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't use it as much as a lot of other people. So, you know, for me, it's been great. You know, I went and watched the Disney's Doug that was on ABC every Saturday morning, uh, you know, 
grown up watching that, you know, right before Mania or Livewire. So, uh, yeah, that I, I didn't use it as much, but yeah, I didn't hear a lot of the uh, the negative feedback from those types of uh, streaming platforms like I did the network when that launched. Yeah, I mean, Disney is a whole different monstrosity compared to WWE. <laughs> like, so they, they they're they're probably going to do it better than WWE. Let's, let's, there's no shame in not doing it quite as good as Disney. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when Disney might buy could potentially buy WWE at some point, <laughs> it's yeah. just a different animal, right? Imagine that. Wow, that'd be wild, right? Yeah. But it's just I thought that it was going to really like be like the future of like I thought WWE is going to have a hit on their hands like. This is massive deal, and it didn't quite do that. And but at the end of the day, it's still a net gain for WWE because it just made a couple billion dollars off of it from, from NBC. Just bought yeah. all of it, and yep. what they got two billion dollars off of it or something like that. And so monetarily, it it, it it works. But I think WWE would rather have had it been way more successful, like you can comparable to a Netflix or Hulu, and it was just never going to be that way because there's only a finite number of wrestling fans and even back then and that audience didn't grow in the last seven years wwe didn't help that <laughs> for damn sure oh, they, if anything they, they chased them off oh they i don't understand how they just dropped the ball with you know the marketing on their tv programs like it got so bad that the whole 999 thing became a, a rib and like promos and stuff yeah and it, it clearly looked like they didn't, weren't taking themselves seriously, so why should I, you know, take it seriously? I mainly watched the old stuff anyway. The first day it launched, I took off work, and I was watching old WCW pay-per-views from 1997. Uh, obviously, I was, you know, there were issues, but, you know, I got it for mainly the old stuff, not the new stuff. And, yeah, I like some of the bios they've done, but uh, they just yeah. they never seem to really hit on what they can actually provide because they had really great content on there, but they never told anyone that was even like on the fence about getting it. It was like, oh, well, they would always seem like, oh, well, it doesn't seem that special, so why would I waste my money? You know, $10 could be, you know, two bridge <laughs> trips from Jersey to PA. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just kind of crazy yeah. looking back at how yeah, they didn't. You look at Netflix, and Netflix was a big hit for, you know, years already. But then they started hitting that original content. And it's like, and the only place you can watch this is on Netflix. And that just made it even bigger. Right. And WWE started out doing stuff like that. And they've done some good stuff over the years. But not enough to make you say, you know what, I got to watch WWE Network. Like, I got to get it. So I can watch. Because the docs are good. You know, like the 24 docs or the 365 or whatever. Some of the stuff with Steve Austin they've done is pretty good. But is it worth really parting ways with your money to do it? it, it or, you know, the pay-per-views. They're, they're definitely not worth parting ways with your money. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so that that's not it. Then the content, which was good, it just wasn't enough. When you're competing with Netflix, they got stuff like Peaky Blinders, like I said, you know, or different things that they put on Netflix, like recently, like Bridgerton, massive show that everybody was watching. And then, of course, you got Disney Plus now, where they put up Mandalorian and um, WandaVision, which is a huge show that everybody's talking about. I haven't watched it yet, but everybody's talking about it. And what has WWE got to compete with that on a streaming service level? Well, they did a cool doc on Bianca Belair and Big E, and those are dope. I liked them. 
but it's not WandaVision, <laughs> you know, it's not <laughs> it's not Mandalorian, you know, which oh, by the way has Sasha Banks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like so it's it, yeah, it's w- a w- WWE camp didn't uh, quite <laughs> take off. Right. <laughs> and 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 it, it can't definitely can't compete with it now, but even 2014, 2015, 2016, it just didn't quite take off the way I thought it would. So it's just it's not really a disappointment and especially from a monetary monetary standpoint, they secured a, quite the bag off of it. But I think most people would venture to say like yeah, they, they expected more out of it. And they got something out of it, but I think they wanted it to still stand on its own and be a success on its own without having to be sold and put on Peacock along with tons of other oh, yeah. content they have on peacock you know so but yeah ww network what a what a time what a what a time that was it seems like like that's one of the things i remember like it was yesterday and it's like damn now it's like a thing of the past it was about to be you know really soon so yeah i guess uh, we can't really call it the ww network anymore you know no it's just stuff that's on peacock it's crazy it's just on peacock now (laughs) like not even WWE Network anymore, but you know it is what it is. But let's rewind back to 2014. Nick, let's talk about you real quick before we get into my trip. Where were you in life in 2014, and how, what, what did you watch the show? Who did you watch the show with? How did, how did this come about for you? You know, I was I was pumped. I was, I was ready for it. You know, the Raws leading up to this uh, hyped me up. Unlike many other years before this, even when I was a kid. Um, you had the Daniel Bryan joining the Wyatt family back in like December, early January, and then you had the Steel Cage, him and Bray Wyatt inside, and that crowd. I think I, I po- that was might have been one of the first times I posted or, or like did a live tweet uh, when that happened uh, during the actual show. Like I... I didn't really know like my Twitter game. I didn't like. I can't think back to how it was, but I think it was one of the first times. I was like, the ending of Monday Night Raw was one of the absolute best ever. And then I actually like conversed with people about it, which you know didn't happen that often, you know, during the show or e- even after it ended. Uh, one of the best endings to Raw ever: Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt inside the steel cage, and that's what grabbed me back. I didn't like. I, I was bummed CM Punk quit. Because CM Punk quit right after the Royal Rumble uh, this year, and I was bummed about that. But once they did the whole, I, this was before that. This was like a week or two before that. The whole Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt inside the cage because they faced each other at the Royal Rumble. But even CM Punk quitting, as much as a bummer that was to me, I was always hopeful that they would do the right thing and they backed their way into it and put the title on Daniel Bryan. I haven't been that this much emotionally invested since, and I don't remember the last time I was emotionally invested before this. So, yeah, this was like, and maybe that has a lot to do with why I think WrestleMania 30 is the best WrestleMania ever. You know, it was just how it made me feel. I was, I wasn't, you know, embarrassed to be a wrestling fan or anything like that. I was just like Daniel Bryan, man, he's the man. Like, I even showed coworkers like the video of the end of Raw, and they were just like, "Okay," and I'm just like, "Hear that crowd? Do you see that crowd?" <laughs> <laughs> he's the next big thing. I'm telling you, <laughs> it just we didn't see that. WWE TV yeah. was so homogenous back then that we never got those organic moments, and we finally got one. 
and oh my god like i was all in so the whole lead up to it i was like okay like clearly you know plans are changing behind the scenes they gotta get daniel bryan they're gonna put him in the main event they're gonna every week you know i'm watching the show i'm like they're gonna put him in the main event they're gonna put him in the main event i'm just waiting for it to happen and then it finally happened you know with occupy raw you know triple h agreeing to face him in a match and then Daniel Bryan about to leave, but then saying, oh, no, no, no. Like, I still want something more. And then that's when I knew. I was like, yes, put the title <laughs> yeah. on him. Yes. And uh, I think that was really, you know, I, w- I was hyped for it for mainly that. I had my friend Mike come over. Uh, you know, you've been over just kind of sitting in my recliner watching the show with my dad and Mike. And, uh, you know, Mike, he was the guy that I watched wrestling here and there with the previous few years. Where I remember our reaction when Kevin Nash came out like power bomb CM Punk at like the SummerSlam, and he was just like, "What the hell's Diesel doing here?" You know, just like <laughs> stuff like that, stuff like that. So you know, a casual he's a casual fan, but you know, like a fan that isn't uh, doesn't. Did, think, did your friend say, "Oh my God, it was Diesel"? Thought he was dead. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> he might have. That was legendary from CM Punk. That was legendary. Yeah, he was a big CM Punk fan too. So, Uh, but you know, he didn't let that like he didn't really keep up to date with like the backstage news either. So I would always kind of like tell him what was going on. So it was kind of nice, you know. Like I just we just he just kind of enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it, and I was kind of like his info guy. Like he would ask me questions, but. He wouldn't answer, ask so many questions that I would start getting annoyed. And I was like, just watch the damn thing. Because I also had a friend that would a- always ask questions, like during matches. And I'm like, dude, I'm trying to pay attention. Like, stop. <laughs> I was never n- never good with answering questions while I was trying to pay attention to something. So, yeah, I mean, like, just watch it there. And I think it was like a four-hour WrestleMania too. So, I mean, they were all like four hours at that point. But... Um, even the pre-show, those were relatively new with like the hour-long pre-shows at this point. Um, I don't remember if they actually, I mean, the previous year they had the Miz and Barrett, but I actually totally forgot to look up the pre-show of this year to see what was on it. So, oopsie. But, uh, yeah, I was just hyped for it everything. Was a, it was like an elimination tag match oh, cool. for the tag titles, I believe. And that's where oh, boy. the real Americans split up. That's right, because they mentioned it yeah. during the Battle Royal. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, and that's where I was like, okay, I made a note to go back, and I just didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's kind of like I w- in my second or third year of education. Like baseball was starting, and I was I was kind of like you know we we had a good team, so I, I was like you know feeling pretty good all around. I was feeling pretty good at this point. It's funny you mentioned. Like pre shows, I remember because again, this is when the WWE network first launched, and they were. Do- I don't think they did this after WrestleMania 30, they might have done it for WrestleMania 31, but I don't recall them doing it in the recent years. Where they had like a little, like an hour show each day leading up to WrestleMania at like access, it's like a WrestleMania Today type uh, of thing. Yeah, it was almost yeah, like yeah. they had like a desk, it was like a, a panel, so pretty much what you'll see at like a Super Bowl or a Final Four. They pretty much had it at WrestleMania. I thought that was dope. I was like, yeah, that's that's the stuff I like to see. WWE like a little, it felt like Sports Center. It felt like yeah. they were at the NBA Finals or the Stanley Cup Final, or whatever. And I remember them doing that at Access, so I thought that was pretty dope. So I just thought about that when you mentioned the pre-show 
uh, for this show. But for me, 2014, I would have been, well, how old would I have been? 25, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess 25, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so obviously I went to the previous year, previous show, 29, and now I'm, I'm all in with the blog and, you know, Square Circle. So obviously we got to run it back. We got to go back to WrestleMania. And I was surprised. Honestly, surprised that they was like, "All right, we'll send you." I'm like, "Dope, let's do it." <laughs> and of course, it's in New Orleans, so it's like, "Let's rock," <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Let's do it. Um, this would have been my second time going to New Orleans. Uh, my first time being in the city was in 2012, so two years prior, when I was working for the Philadelphia Soul (RIP) of the Arena Football League. Uh, my last season with them, uh, we went to the Arena Bowl and played the Arizona Rattlers. I don't know if you remember the Arizona Rattlers, did Nick? I do, I do. Uh, but we we won the, the conference championship game over the Jacksonville Sharks and punched our ticket to Arena Bowl twenty five in New Orleans uh, and faced, like I said, the, the Arizona Rattlers, who were stacked. It was, it was <laughs> they had. Let me tell you who they had, Nick. They had Nick Davila, bro. Oh, he was, a, he was a monster, a left a lefty too. Uh, they had Rod Windsor, Maurice Purify. I mean, they was they were stacked. All right, the Punisher, the Punisher. Yeah, don't don't do that's, that. That's what, that's what they <laughs> called him, right? I don't remember that at all. Um, they might have. We had some good players too, but it, it didn't work out too well for us. We lost no. that game. Mm. We lost that game, and it was unfortunate. It's no Arena Bowl championship for me, but it was. Uh, a net positive because I did get to see New Orleans for the first time and I got to go to Bourbon Street in the French Quarter and just saw how wild it was down there. <laughs> like for a, I was down there, I guess, because the game was on a Friday night. So I was there on the, the night before, the, the Thursday night in August. There's nothing like, there's nothing special happening. It's not like it's Mardi Gras or people are in New Orleans because of the Arena Bowl. That was not the case. <laughs> you know, people didn't know the Arena Bowl was happening there. It's sad to say, but that's just the truth, all right? I still love the Arena Football League, don't get me wrong. But the amount of people I saw out on Bourbon Street in the first quarter was just like, whoa. You know, I'm from Philly, obviously. You know, we're from Philly. And I... I I figured, I, you know, I've only been to like South Street. <laughs> South Street is like, that's the wildest thing to do. Like, well, you see all these people out on South Street? And then I saw Bourbon Street. I was like, oh, this is like, this has got South Street beat by a lot. <laughs> this is something else. You know, I never, ever seen people act like this. So I was down there and I saw like how wild it was. I was like, man, I got to get back to this city. Like, this is crazy. I ain't had no money. Though. I was broke. So I just got out of college. So I couldn't party like I want to. But then I was like, yeah, I'm back, going back to New Orleans. Yes, let's do it. All right, let's book the hotel months in advance, philly.com. Let's do it because I don't want to get shut out of New Orleans. Because New Orleans is a great city, but not a big city, right? It's really not a big city. So it can easily get booked up as far as hotels, especially when you got an event like WrestleMania. WWE is going to use up a whole bunch of hotels, and all the fans are going to use up the hotel. So... I'm like, let's get this stuff out the way. Let's do it. Let's book it up. And but I, it, that didn't happen. <laughs> what? <laughs> For whatever reason, I didn't had I couldn't book my hotel until February. And by that point, it was too late. I was New Orleans was booked up. Or if it was an opening, it would have been well outside of our price range. 
which I was like, I told y'all we should have been booking in like November or December. Now here we are in February and March, and y'all want to, now you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Okay. Okay. Man, they were probably like, oh, you might not be here. Maybe that's what <laughs> no. they were doing. No, no, I was going. <laughs> so, I mean, like, you know, that whole, the whole layoffs thing. Oh, <sighs> well, yeah, that wasn't for another year, and, uh, yeah. I don't think we saw that coming down the pike even okay. a year in okay. advance. So uh, that was a case I probably wouldn't have gone at all. Right, yeah. <laughs> we knew that was coming. Um, I always wonder, you know, if they think, you know, in the back of their mind, that's what their reasoning is with things like that. But you know, I'm not there, so I don't know. Huh. It wasn't that wasn't the case in 2014 at least. Mm. So, so they were just yeah, lazy. They, <laughs> no, it wasn't just that. It's just they didn't believe me when i said it would get booked up for some reason i guess they didn't think like wrestlemania was that big of an event it's like no you don't understand (laughs) this is a big deal hundred thousand people are going to be in there in the the city but they were waiting for me to get my credential confirmed by wwe yeah maybe they thought because you're the previous year was like what was the time frame of you oh well you didn't really you didn't get a hotel up there no i went the day of and but wwe has this thing where they don't really send your confirmation until like maybe two weeks in advance which i don't understand why they do that like you know you're gonna tell me yes so just tell me now (laughs) why wait so they were waiting for that i'm like i had to call them like hey look you're gonna (laughs) confirm it right (laughs) it's like yeah we're gonna confirm it we're just not gonna send out the letter yet like but you're going to confirm it because I'm a book. We need to book now, so I'll, I'll try, finally get a chance to book it. But obviously, can't stay in New Orleans, so no, I got to stay in nearby Avondale, Louisiana, which is 25 minutes away from New Orleans. Driving. This is 2014, though, so I didn't really know about Uber. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about Uber until like 2015, until I went to WrestleMania in California. So I'm taking taxis back and forth from Avondale to New Orleans each way. It's like 35 bucks each way. And because of that, I couldn't fully enjoy New Orleans the way I wanted to. Now, if I knew about Uber and back then, Uber probably would have been not that expensive because, you know, this is when it first started up in a 25 minute ride. I've taken 25 minute Ubers before. They're not that expensive. I could have did it. But I didn't know. I, di- I didn't know how I was going to get a taxi. You know, I didn't want to get stuck, so I couldn't stay too late in right. New Orleans without getting my taxi <laughs> back to the, my damn hotel, which was fortunately right across the street from a Waffle House. So that's the first time I got to go to Waffle House, <laughs> nice. and I thoroughly enjoyed Waffle House. So I don't know why I didn't go to Waffle House when I went back last year. That's a shame. I should have. But um, so yeah, that was that was an unfortunate part of the trip. Uh, but. I did get to go back last year, and I did thoroughly enjoy myself. I'll talk about that in a second, I guess. Mm. But let me get to the actual stuff that I did in New Orleans, right? So I get there. It's a Saturday. That's the day of the Hall of Fame ceremony. Mm. So I get there. I, I get to downtown New Orleans. And I'm like, all right, well, let's go to Access. And it was a beautiful night in New Orleans. New Orleans, just stuff has happened, it seemed like, everywhere. Like, there's always something <laughs> happening. There's music playing over here. There's people drinking over there. Like, it's a very walkable city because it's just stuff happening. It's just a vibe. I can't explain it. It's just a real vibe in that city. Like, if nobody's ever gone to New Orleans, I highly recommend it. It's probably my second favorite city outside of Philly, like, honestly. Yeah, you know what? I, I, saw, do, I, I do have family down there. I just, you know, 
man. We gotta, that don't really if, talk to them that much. <laughs> if you if you need an excuse to all of a sudden hit New Orleans up, say, hey, I want to hang out with my family that I haven't seen in years. <laughs> Do it. What's your name again? <laughs> right. <laughs> Do it. Right. So I get there. I walk to access to the convention center. And that's the first time I really got to see a convention center access. Right. Because last year in, in MetLife Stadium, or the Eyes Out Center, I should say, where access was, it was in an arena and it was like stuff in the concourse and in the suites and stuff like that in the arena. So it wasn't quite the same like the convention center where you could see all the different exhibits and all the posters they had hanging up. And I walked past that WrestleMania Today set they had set up, like I said, for the WWE Network. They had the, the NXT matches going. It was actually really dope. Like WWE, we can give them a lot of mess for the stuff they do on TV. Give them a lot of mess for... Some of the business practices, like, you know, laying or releasing a bunch of people during a pandemic when they made record profits in 2020, right? But I will give them credit for their attention to detail when it comes to fan access. It's pretty, just pretty remarkable. Like, all the exhibits, all the pre- the memorabilia, all the different things they have set up where you can, oh, you can make your own entrance. You can uh, watch NXT match. You can all these different photo ops. Oh, you can get an autograph and wait in line for an autograph. There's so much stuff going on. That stuff ain't easy to pull off. I don't know who's in charge of that, but my hat is off to them because that's a lot, right? A lot of logistics at play, getting that stuff. All that stuff they have probably in that warehouse in Stanford all the way to wherever WrestleMania is, that's not easy. So I'll give them credit for that. But I always try to go to Access to get the interviews. I get the interviews. I forget who I interviewed, honestly. I don't know why I blanked on who I interviewed at Access this year. But I left out of there and went straight to the Hall of Fame. And I didn't catch a taxi, didn't take public transportation. I just walked. It was like a 30-minute walk. But it's New Orleans, so you just walk. (laughs) It's dope. (laughs) It's just a fun city to walk through. All right? And this is my first Hall of Fame ceremony. I went to WrestleMania the year before, but I didn't go to the Hall of Fame ceremony, which I I would have liked to have done because it was at Madison Square Garden. And I've never been to Madison Square Garden. But this year, it was New Orleans, so I got to go. And I, like, dressed somewhat nice for the occasion. Like, I wore, like, a shirt and a tie. And I had, like, a jacket over top of it. Like a like a, like a spring jacket. I didn't wear, like, a blazer. Suspenders. But I had, like, khakis. Yeah, like, I dressed, like, business casual. Thinking that, like, people might see me. And then they gave me a ticket. <laughs> the people there might sat- see you. Right, I, I figured like I, I figured they might sit me like in a press box. <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is the first time I think this is the first time I realized that they wouldn't do that. I don't know for even for like a WrestleMania they wouldn't do it. That's crazy. Or a Hall of Fame ceremony, I should say, because I figured because it's WrestleMania they would sit us in the press box. They did not. They sat us way up top <laughs> in the top of the arena amongst the fans. I'm like, man, I brought a comp- I brought all this stuff thinking I was gonna be like be able to work during this and. Mm-hmm. And I did got nothing done. I'm just sitting up here with a shirt and a tie on for nothing. And it it was, of course, this is the Hall of Fame that Jake Roberts got inducted, uh, Ultimate Warrior, Mr. T, uh, Scott Hall, who they always call the Razor Ramon, Lita, Carlos Colon. Is a really it's actually a pretty dope class in hindsight. Um, but I'm just sitting way up top listening to this. And that's when I first time I realized, like, man, the Hall of Fame is long and kind of boring, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like, and I, I went the next year 
But and that was my last WrestleMania in person. But if I were to go to WrestleMania again, which I, next time I'll go, I'm not going as a media member, obviously. But let's say I went to WrestleMania in Dallas next year, I probably would have skipped the Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's just I got nothing out of it, like really nothing, like not even a good like headline for the for the website. It's just like, nah, it's all right. Congrats to all the inductees, though. I mean, nothing, nothing yeah. against them, but yeah. but that's just how it is. But that's how I feel at least. But so the same day, this the next day, I, sh- I should say. I pretty much did the same thing. Started out my day at Access, got interviews, and then walked to the Superdome. Now, the the, the arena where Access, or not Access, the Hall of Fame was, it's called, it's funny, it's called the Smoothie King Center, yep. right, where the Pelicans play. Uh, that's right across the way, or right across the street from the Superdome. It's like, if you think Lincoln Financial Field and the Wells Fargo Center, it's really close, it's probably even closer when New Orleans went between Smoothie King Center and the Superdome. So I just took the same way I took the night before, walked to the Superdome. And again, it was a beautiful day. And New Orleans is a very fun city to walk through. And it was a blast. It was actually pretty dope because I remember walking. And at one point I got to like, you know, a straight shot from to the Superdome. And it's like right downtown New Orleans. And the closer and closer I got to the Superdome, the more and more wrestling fans were around me. And everybody was just partying and having a good time. Because for one, it's New Orleans. Like, you better party and have a good time. But also because it's like, hey, it's wrestling fans. And it's WrestleMania. Let's, we're in a good mood. And it was just like, the closer and closer I got, and then more and more wrestling fans. And all of a sudden, boom, there was a Superdome. Because this just sneaks up on you real fast. It's like Center City... New Orleans, I guess, if you want to call it that. Like, imagine if Lincoln Financial Field was like in downtown Philly. Like, it's that. That's how Superdome is, and it's just like, boop, there it is. Like, you walking. There's like a building. There's a restaurant, and oh, Superdome right there. Okay. And it's just like, damn, we're here. This is WrestleMania. Like, I'm back. <laughs> you know, for the second year in a row, this is it. And and you get that feeling, that energy. It's like, yeah, something big's gonna happen tonight. Because, like you said earlier, there was like an energy around this show heading into it the daniel bryan stuff you just knew something big was going to happen this felt different from other shows which is like okay we're going to watch the show john cena's probably going to win and then it's going to be in the stadium or shoot up some fireworks even by 29 and 30 the shows had kind of become sort of routine at wrestlemania this felt different heading in there's just an energy and a fervor around this show I think everybody got caught up in it, from fans to wrestlers to the media. I think we were all kind of caught up in it because it's the first time we had that feeling in a while, and we just kind of reveled in it. I thought it was yeah. dope. Yeah, and, you know, in my mind also, you know, you had WrestleMania 10, which was, you know, noteworthy. WrestleMania 20, obviously noteworthy at, at the time. So WrestleMania 30, like, it, that was probably just because it was WrestleMania 30. Like, you knew they're going to do something big, you know, whether it's, putting the title on Daniel Bryan or something else like that was you know I was like 10 20 30 you know for me and I, I expect the same damn thing when WrestleMania 40 comes <laughs> it'll it'll be so different than it was you know even in 2014 but you know that's just kind of how I look at it too yeah it's just that energy was palpable outside of the Superdome that day and it was really dope but before we get into the show I gotta talk about New Orleans because like I said I got to go back, so don't feel too bad for me, because I know I didn't get to have that much fun 
2012 and 2014. But in early 2020, I took a real vacation to New Orleans. Me and my girl went down there around my birthday, actually. Early February 2020, before the pandemic hit. So you don't have to worry about, you know, I didn't travel during the pandemic, obviously. Uh, well, at least we didn't know really what it was, right. you know, at that point. We were all pretty uneducated when it came to that. And we'll continue to still be that way until, like, maybe, yeah. like, late last year. <laughs> like, right? But I got to hit Bourbon Street properly, which was just fantastic. Like, I felt, I remember seeing people walking around with, like, the fish bowls around their neck. In 2012 and 2014, I was like, I want to be that person. I don't care how much of a tourist those people look like. <laughs> I want to be that person having that good of a time. You, got, you, you imagine how much fun you got to be having to put an entire fishbowl around your neck and just walk around the street with it with confidence. I guess like so. that's a lot of that's you gotta have you gotta be having a lot of fun. I wouldn't do that here in Philly. <laughs> you know, I got a reputation to uphold, but down in New Orleans, <laughs> it's like all bets are off. You know, <laughs> all bets are off. You just have that's how much fun you're having. You put a whole fishbowl of alcohol around your neck, and you're just drinking it. That was me. <laughs> we went to we went to New Orleans, and I had to eat all this dope food. And then I had some charcoal oysters for the first time. Those were amazing. I had alligator hot dog, Nick. Let me tell you, alligator hot dog. Come on, you haven't lived what? unless you had an alligator hot dog. I'm telling you, bro. Alligator hot dog, gator dog. It's amazing. It's incredible. From from. A place called Dat Dog, Dat D A T Dog, in New Orleans. What, are, what does right? it taste like? It tastes amazing. Right? It's a hot dog. It's just a regular hot dog. It looks like a hot dog. It's just alligator it's, meat. Like, is it sweeter? Like pigs? Look, let me, let me, let me, uh, be a hundred percent honest with you here. Because this, I had that hot dog during a food tour, where. Me and my me and my girl, we had done some, we had consumed some adult beverages before the food tour. Let me just say that. So we were a little, you know, we were a little out there. <laughs> so I don't fully, I couldn't give you a full review of this alligator dog. Just know that at the time, I thought it was incredible. And that's all I remember. <laughs> all right. Just know if you do a food tour in New Orleans, at least the one that I did. Which was on Magazine Street in New Orleans. Don't do nothing before this food tour, all right? Like, don't eat nothing. Don't drink nothing. Because on this food tour, they're going to give you plenty of stuff to eat and plenty of stuff to drink. And I ain't talking about water and soda, all right? <laughs> Talk about cold, hard alcohol, all right? <laughs> Straight alcohol on this tour. That's what they do, all right? They give you a to-go glass. They even give you a to-go glass. Like, here you go. Have a good time now. <laughs> See you. Come back again. It's like, damn, this is incredible. All right? So, yeah, I, I went back. I essentially got my redemption in New Orleans. It was it was amazing. Like, great food. I got to see a parade. It was a smaller parade. It wasn't, like, a massive one. But it was a parade. And I had, like, I probably had, like, a half a dozen mimosas while waiting for this parade to start. And it was incredible. <laughs> All like, right? what, what is the parade for? It's just this tradition. Like, this for Mardi Gras. wrestlers? <laughs> No, it's just so you know how like the only way I can equate it is like the mummers up here, where they have like different crews, right? And they have their they do their thing, and they have their bands and whatnot, and their ensembles. And of course, they had the parade on New Year's Day. Hmm. 
where Mardi Gras is like sort of like New Orleans version of that, probably with more history behind it, and it lasts for a lot longer <laughs> time. Like it, it's go for like a couple months, and it's probably more fun too because I had a blast. <laughs> I don't know about you. I had I don't know how much fun people have at Mummers parades. I've never been. I've I've seen clips of, of them on TV. They don't look like people are having a grand old time. It's just like oh, I watch it and it's fun. But these parades, people are having a grand old time. Let me tell you right now, because I know what I did at least. It was it was amazing. So, I mean, it's it's fun. So it's a really dope city, man. So I'd recommend it to anybody looking for a place to vacation or just go and just like I want to turn up for a couple days. Well, they <laughs> go to New Orleans, you know, bro. They use like that parade type, uh, you know, shot for the these vignettes leading up to WrestleMania in New Orleans. Like there were wrestlers that like parading down Bourbon street. I'm assuming it was. So definitely had that scene. I enjoyed the, all the promos leading up to it. You know, they definitely had a New Orleans feel to them, even though I'm not from there and I don't know exactly what a New Orleans feel looks like. (laughs) Yeah, like we can start out the show, I guess, get into it. But like the the show starts off with this package with the jazz music playing in the background and you get the yeah. band playing in the French Quarter. And it was like a New Orleans type of feel. And it's just, it's, it's funny because people see that. It's like, oh, that's, maybe New Orleans isn't always like that. They can't just have people walking down the street playing instruments. And it's like, no, that's true. Like <laughs> you can walk down Bourbon and, and, and the French Quarter. There's people just, there's just music everywhere. <laughs> like, and not just like, like speakers come through speak I'm talking like live music people singing their asses off like out of these bars like so yeah that was that was a uh, sort of accurate kind of <laughs> I mean uh if anything they're probably not big enough in these promos like the parades can be even bigger but um the video package itself as we get into the show I thought it was actually really good mm-hmm I, I don't know who was who the narrator was, but I dug it. I like the Cena? narration. It's Chris Christie. Uh, not this time. <laughs> you thought it was John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the jazz music they played, and it was a, it was a good package. So, and then we get the the big pyro to start the show, which they didn't have the year before, which is kind of mm. weird. But they had it at WrestleMania 30, and we're off and running. But I I counted by the way six camera cuts in two seconds. <laughs> oh that my opening, god! Opening pyro, I was like boom, 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 boom. I was like, relax, Kevin Don. Jeez, <laughs> take it that easy. That stood out to me like a sore thumb. Take it easy. He's just getting started on his uh, <laughs> road to quick camera cuts because they weren't too bad on this night, but I'm sure they had their moments. But um, the stage itself, the WrestleMania stage, loved it. And like I said, the look was incredible. I thought it was great. Yep. It, that, just the black in it, it, it was like shiny, you know, and you had the, the L, this was like, they were still experimenting with the, these LED, LED, uh, you know, lighting or screens and whatnot. So you had like the LED coming down the ramp on both sides of it. And then the, the center was like the black. I thought the whole look was awesome. I agree. I thought it was dope. I mean, is it to me? It's not the best WrestleMania stage of all time. I think to me, if we're gonna do a quick ranking, for what I can remember, I thought the one in Orlando 
2017, WrestleMania 33 was the best. It was like the amusement park. Yeah, I guess, but I, Whoa, I did. You I didn't like, like that? I liked the ramp coming from the actual top of the stadium to no. That know, ramp was ridiculous. That's like 80 yards. Apparently, I, I enjoyed that, but uh, yeah, the ultimate thrill ride stuff. I just thought it was so cornball that I it turned me off. Uh, so maybe mm. I have to go back and like look at it to try and I, reappreciate it. But I, I, I was thought just so it was, turned off by it. It was super intricate and detailed. And I was like, damn, that's, and it took, clearly took a lot of work. They pretty much just built an amusement yeah, right. park <laughs> right then and there. I thought it was dope. That's probably my favorite one. This is, this and maybe WrestleMania 34 and New, the second one in New Orleans, with the, they had like the Mardi Gras like mask and the hat. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought that, that, was, that was pretty, pretty dope, cool. too. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty dope. Um, trying to think of another one that might kind of fit one of my favorite. I thought the one in Arizona, or like, like the Aztec Pyramid, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, paying homage to like the, you know, the Aztec roots. Uh, but WrestleMania 17 was always really cool. Yeah, that was like and, the first like really, really big one. <laughs> yeah. It was really dope too. I remember seeing that for the first time. I was like, "Whoa!" Like, couldn't because I was, I was only twelve, and I was like, "Just incredible." I thought nineteen was pretty cool because it was unique, and they had like the turn uh, part of the aisle way. Yes, I'm always hmm. a big fan of the you know, always a big fan of that you know, right. an aisle way that bends instead of a straight shot. It's right. It's just yeah. I thought WrestleMania 21 with the it was that was in LA with the, like the, the the movie set or like was like a movie yeah. like an award show type of thing. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean 20 the one in 2019 wasn't that great cuz it's just a big screen <laughs> like that one that much. Yeah. The Brooklyn Bridge really didn't do it for me. The ones at the ones the WrestleMania Miami and the one in California were virtually the same. Uh so those really didn't do it for me. So yeah, I mean they, they're here to miss but I thought this one was one of the better ones they've had, the WrestleMania 30. Okay. You just, yeah. Speaking of Pyro, though, speaking of Pyro, we got to talk about, real quick, AEW. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Uh, I, uh, I mm, definitely felt mm, ripped, mm, mm. I definitely felt ripped off a little bit. Um, but hell, hell, you know, like I'm, I'll support, you know, the wrestlers that work there that clearly uh, do it for the love of the business. Uh, a lot of them at least do. And, uh, man, that just fell so flat. And, yeah, I got my jokes off. Like, you know, everyone was so quick. Like, Not everyone. I should, I should say, like, some people, you could just tell that they were so embarrassed by it that they had a f- the need to, like, defend it or something. It's like, no. You you acknowledge it, and I'm talking about like people on social media, not anyone that works there, not even Tony Khan who tried to like play it off a little bit. It's like, man, just stop, just stop tweeting, yeah. just just own he, it, bro, just he, own yeah. it. And uh, it, it's just funny, and yeah, you know, like you you make fun of it, you realize that it was a massive screw up, and then you move on. You know exactly. I, you know that's I wasn't tuning into Dynamite last night just to see like the outcome of it like to see what they said about it like i was already over it by that point i was like they can say whatever they want like i don't i don't really care because there's so much other things that they have on their program to like pay attention to that you know I'll see what they 
you know, come out of it. And I, I thought they did a relatively good job explaining it. Like, it was funny. And, you know, they obviously acknowledged it. And then, you know, you just move on from that. And yeah. that's kind of like, but no, like Sunday into Monday, I'm going to get my jokes off. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> right. that's, that's the same exact thing would happen with WWE. And I, I do that. So, you know, it's it was just funny that people tried to, you know, come to the rescue of AEW for some reason. You can't. I just there's no defending it. it. No. It's indefensible. Like, there's no way around it. It was it was a dud. Like, <laughs> but <laughs> that's it. Like, yep. there's no way around it. Like, I don't see how anyone could possibly defend it. Like, like it, that's yeah. it. Yeah. We, we, we've seen the big explosions before. We know what they should look like. We know that they were attending something else because Eddie Kingston sold it like he died. And the announcers like, oh, my God, like they were going crazy about it. So we know there was supposed to be something bigger and we didn't get it. But like you said, it's all right. Like nobody was really even mad at AEW about it. We were all just making fun of it because it was hilarious. But then get, get the jokes off. That lasts for like 24 to 48 hours and it's done. Like that's stuff. That stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Like you look at I, I work for a sports team and something bad happens in the game. People won't get their jokes off, bro. There's nothing you could do to def- to stop it. You can't right. come out and defend it, but it it stops. The jokes yeah, will stop, exactly. and people will move on eventually. And trust me, people got a lot more invested emotionally into the Eagles and any other NFL team than they do in AEW, <laughs> right? <laughs> let me tell me for sure the Eagles. <laughs> let's just let's yeah. know that because yeah. people live and die with that team, and and that's just how it is. This is how Eagles fans are. They're a very passionate fan base, and we love it. That's just, you know, we all love it. That's, fans love it. Everybody loves it. But if they can move on when something bad happens, <laughs> you better believe AEW fans who are already on your side, they will move on. Yeah. yeah. But when it happened, I watched it with my girl, <laughs> and she was like, I'm telling them, like, yeah, this is going to be a big explosion at the end. Like, wait. <laughs> Watch. It's going to happen, right? Because I'm telling because she's never seen a death match, obviously, an exploding death yeah, match. And I've watched yeah. a couple on YouTube or whatever. From Japan, so I'm like, I told her all the rules. Like, there's a countdown, and, she, and you know, she's and she knows, and she's seen all the explosions happen. She's like, oh no, and she's seeing the people bleed, and she didn't like to see all the blood and stuff like that. But then, when the match ended, she's like, oh well, at least we won't have to blow the ring up, and nobody's going to get hurt. I'm like, no, I still think they're going to do that because they're, they're putting the heat on it, Moxley here, like they're beating yeah. them up, they're killing the time. I think they're still going to blow it up. That's the whole point. Like, that's not really the whole point, but that's like the big crescendo to the end of the exploding death match. The ring blows up, like, at the <laughs> end. Oh, they set off a bunch of fireworks, right? Yeah. So they do the whole thing, and the countdown is like, rah, rah. <laughs> somebody said it was going to be Chernobyl out there. Like, and that's what it made it sound like. Like, that, it was like massive deal. <laughs> <laughs> people are scrambling and running away and poor the Kingston comes in and jumps on top of Moxley and it's like boop <laughs> and my girl's like that's it I'm like oh well yeah that's not what it's supposed to be <laughs> what a time so AW you'll be fine you'll be alright You know, just make sure <laughs> next time if you want to do if there is next time for an exploding death match that explosion comes off massively and not like a wet fart in church oh man it was that was rough it was bad it's a dud it's a dud and you move on hey people gotta i mean people still laugh about the shock master but yeah (laughs) i mean hey it is what it is like there's nothing you could do there's nothing you can do it's all right it's fine 
It's fine. <laughs> it was it, funny it, as hell, though. It, it's funny, and listen, we'll we'll still make fun of it. It'll still be a punchline down the road, but it, it it's something to be said for the, the trying to defend what you know. Like we're we're just the, laughing. We're having a good time. We're not telling it. We're not saying anyone needs to be fired for a mess up. We're not saying that. You know, AEW. This is why they're worse than WWE. Like that's not. Right. It's like things take happen it so personally. People take it so personally. Look, things WWE, happen sometimes. Yeah, WWE it, has fans that take all this stuff personally. I, I just will never understand it. Things happen sometimes. Mistakes happen, and yeah. that's one you can't get back. Obviously, it sucks when it happens, but you, there's nothing you could do. Like it's. Of course, you didn't want it to go that way, but it happened. <laughs> hey, look, this is what it is. No, AEW isn't going to lose viewers or lose fans because of it. It's all right. It's fine. Back to WrestleMania 30, though. <laughs> we start off the show with the host of WrestleMania. How about that? Hulk Hogan. I forgot he was technically the host. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, he was. Oh, all right. <laughs> I meant to hit the mute button when I coughed. <laughs> And like muted and came back. <laughs> like I hit it twice. I'm just gonna leave it in there. <laughs> you might as well. Anyway, that, that was I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're laughing at ourselves, AEW fans. Exactly. <laughs> Mistakes um, happen. But yeah, I I've totally forgot he was the host. Like technically the host. I for some reason I remember the promo and I was like, oh yeah, Hogan's gonna come out, Austin and the Rock. But I totally forgot he was like technically the host which he only made like one other appearance i think <laughs> throughout the night but they right. they use that term host uh i don't know maybe it's just like ironically <laughs> it's a promotional thing it's like oh by the way hosted yeah. by hawk hogan and it's not like an award show host where you see right. them like <laughs> 70 times during the show with wardrobe <laughs> changes it's like right <laughs> you get to see them in the beginning and you might see them in a backstage segment and maybe one more time after that and that's it that's your host <laughs> and that's it. So, hosted by Hulk Hogan. Great. Okay. So he comes out, and I was thinking, I'm like, man, it's really a shame that Hogan is such a goof because <laughs> his music, his theme song is a bop. I'm sorry. It's, it's an all timer. Like, it's an all timer. And it sounds a little different. Like, it kind of has a different like uh, connotation now because of the previous presidential regime. You know, real American, and you could t- you, I can see Donald Trump trying to dance to that, <laughs> and, and and making me sure never want to listen to that song ever again. I'm sure he's played it at he, a lot of his rallies. He danced to a lot of other cheesy ass songs, like was it YMCA and stuff like that. But yeah. that wasn't the song's original intent. You know, when they wrote this song and made the song, that wasn't the thought process. So I'm still like, when I first, when I heard it on this show, I'm like bobbing my head to it. I'm like, damn, this song is still really good. <laughs> like, tapping my foot and stuff. Like, when I get the guitar solo, when the guitar solo happens, I'm air guitar. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. I just subconsciously did that. Like, I can't help myself. So, but Hulk Hogan, such a great host, right? Such a great host. He immediately comes out and messes up. <laughs> like, by getting the name of the stadium that he is currently standing in wrong. Because <laughs> this event took place at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Home, of course, to the New Orleans Saints and annually to the Sugar Bowl. But he sat there and stood in front of the 75,167 <laughs> fans in the Superdome that night. 
Instead, we're in the Silver Dome. <laughs> and everybody's like, uh, and he said it not once, but twice. <laughs> <laughs> Even after the, you started getting a reaction the first time. Right. And he, I guess he just didn't realize it. Of course, the Silver Dome is the the former, no longer a stadium, but it was stadium in Pontiac, Michigan, where the Detroit Lions used to play. I think the Pistons played there for a little while too, but that was where, of course, the home of WrestleMania three, where Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant. The building was torn down in 2017. For those that are interested, mm-hmm. but he got it wrong twice. The Silver Dome. And it's like, then he stands there and looks around, and everybody's like, Super Dome, Super Dome. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry, brothers. The Super Dome. <laughs> and this is like, Oh, man. I think about like when Sid messed up that promo, and JR was like, We're live, pal. <laughs> this is where we are. We're live, pal. Yeah, I was like, What oh, a goof. WrestleMania 30, man. What a start. Like, <laughs> the best WrestleMania ever. The best WrestleMania ever. This started off from the very beginning as like, what the hell's happening? This is really stupid and really entertaining. <laughs> the Silver Dome, brother. Not once, but twice. <laughs> but you know the great part about that, and obviously we'll see. You know, The Rock and Austin kind of give it to him a little bit. They move past it. It's okay, yeah. AEW. It's all right. It's, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It made me think. I forgot. I just remember too that I forgot that WWE went back to WrestleMania. Went back to New Orleans for WrestleMania in 2018. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they went back so soon was because the city was celebrating its tricentennial. Mm-hmm. Which also made me think mm-hmm. that maybe. That could be a reason why, you know, Philly gets to WrestleMania in 2026, you know, 250, 250, maybe, maybe. Technically not the bicentennial, I don't know why I said that. No, that that was, that was, that would (laughs) be almost 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It just sounded cool. Yeah. I don't know what what you would call that. 250, but. Bicentennial 50. I don't know. We'll go with that. (laughs) But as you said, Hogan blabbers on for a little bit longer. And then Steve Austin comes out. The glass shatters and all hell breaks loose. And it made me think, is there anything in, is there anything better in wrestling than the sound of the glass shattering and the pop that follows? I'm not sure that there is. Uh, if you're That's, talk, an instantaneous moment, I think you're right. If yeah, th- there's nothing leading up moment. to it, you know, like I didn't know that. I, I I don't remember if all these people were advertised leading up to it. For, at they least were for not a promo, so they weren't. You know, for me, I would say like, okay, Daniel Bryan, that pop when Batista tapped is great, but you're anticipating it. There's an anticipatory right. moment before that. Um, so that pops almost not maybe not different, but it, it's I view it differently. When you have like the glass shattering, when you know you don't expect it, then yeah, like it, it's one of the best moments. It's nothing if not better. The best moment, yeah. For a wrestling fan, it's just like that adrenaline instantly is an instant adrenaline rush. The energy just shoots through the roof, and you know something is about to happen because Steve Austin is about to do something crazy. Mm-hmm. Typically, you know, not on this night, but typically. 
I was thinking like, man, that's like that's just such like an awesome feeling when that glass shatter and that pop. It's like, what's a better instant moment in wrestling than that? I don't know if there is one, honestly. But he comes out and instantly makes fun of Hogan for saying the, the, <laughs> the Silver Dome. And <laughs> and Rock, you know, also talks about his admiration for Hogan and stuff like that. But then another unexpected surprise: we get The Rock. It's it was you know, if you smell and his music starts. That's a pretty cool moment too. I don't know if it's yeah. as quite as crazy as the glass shattering, but his beginning of his music and that first nah, like, instant like, is pretty the, dope too. The glass shattering is like an action too, like. It's yeah. it's a different type of reaction. Like if you smell, like that's that's great, but it's a voice that like you're kind of you're yeah. used to. Uh, the glass shattering is so unique. Where I mean, I guess that's why like I would put it above. Uh, the the that. only thing that could match today that could potentially match a glass shattering is if. Wherever this happens, and if they have this song and this type of entrance, I think I know where you're going. Is if you hear that TV kind of sound, and you hear Living Color play. I knew it. I knew you were going there. (laughs) You know I'm right though. If whenever we get fans back, you're right in in the arenas, which could happen later this year. And for let's say by some weird chance that CM Punk decides to go to either WWE or AEW or wherever I don't know New Japan Impact Wrestling Impact could be, <laughs> but if that does happen and you hear that that TV like scratch and you hear Living Color play, that pop is going to be immense. Yeah, if he yeah, shows up is, in an arena, which is why I'm glad you know like I, I'm ready f- like. I don't care if he comes back, honestly. But it would be a cool. <laughs> with you. It would be a cool moment, and I'm glad that they didn't waste it on like you know while they have this Thunderdome thing going on, and everyone's like, "Oh, will he show up at the Royal Rumble?" And I was like, "I, I hope not, because that would be lame <laughs> as hell." <laughs> it would be even lame if they had people in the crowd there. Like you, you need like an arena, you know, the way you know Daly's place is right now with people like stretched out. The way now in Philly that you know we're they're having fans that. The arena is like you need that set up for that to even work, and because you're not going to have a packed stadium for a, another <laughs> quite a while, you know. So it's not going to happen anytime soon. I don't soon. know. Depending on where it happens, man. Uh, that's true. I guess Texas Rangers going to have full capacity. Yeah. Opening that. day. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm told later this year. <laughs> like depending yeah. on where it is, it yeah, could be right, a full arena. You know, states are doing what they want to do, so you're right. Yep. Yeah. So. But yeah, the, the Rock comes out and he talks. He also makes fun of Hogan for saying the, the Silver Dome. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they, you know, cut a promo and talk about, you know, show their admiration for each other. And it was just a really cool ass moment. But the coolest part to me was not only that they were out there, these three legendary figures. Say what you want about Hogan, he is one of the biggest stars of all time. And of course, so is Austin and so is The Rock. But they also kind of spun it forward. They all talked about, like, hey, 
We're going to see Daniel Bryan go fight tonight. We're going to see, you know, he's going to stand up against the authority. We're going to see John Cena do this. We're going to, and they yeah. they were there. Yeah. It's like this is like a great use of legends. Not to it is. They could have easily had them go against each other, like The Rock versus Hogan, or not really <laughs> Hogan, Rock versus Austin in the main event, and that would have been like, well, yeah, they, te- but they, they just did wrestle each that. other. They kind of teased that before The Rock came out. Because Austin was like, if you want to meet open can of whoop ass on Hogan, give yeah. me a hell yeah. Which was funny because all they wanted was like that hell yeah. But, of course. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't taking that seriously. Like they were like part of me because, you know, Austin Hogan was still kind of talked about back then as a possible match if they could go physically. So like in the back of my head, I'm like, uh, are they planting a seed right here? But then when The Rock came hell out, I was no. like, ah, I don't think so. <laughs> hell no. Hogan was not in wrestling shape and even no. in 2004. No. But it's the, to me the, the uses get them out there. They get the crowd going, mm-hmm. but they also spin it forward to <laughs> the guys that are working on the roster that night. And they booed when uh, the Rock was saying about John Cena. They, <laughs> the guy that's coming out here to fight in the name of hustle, loyalty, and respect, and you know, everyone started booing. I was cracking. Like, up. Who cares? <laughs> so the Rock and Austin did a little handshake. Uh, which I thought was pretty cool because you know they made a lot of money together, headlining three WrestleManias, which is nobody's ever done and probably will never do since. Um, and that was that. It was a cool ass moment. I remember being in the building and not knowing it's happening and just seeing he, you know seeing Steve Austin make his entrance live, seeing The Rock make his entrance live. It's pretty cool, and it's a cool unexpected moment, and it's a great way to kick off WrestleMania 30. But then we move on to the night's first match. Which was essentially the main event. <laughs> Daniel Bryan versus Triple H. The winner gets inserted into the actual main event for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship between between Batista and Randy Orton and making it a triple threat match. WWE is here, but they got here very reluctantly. <laughs> yeah, and I you know, looking back I don't know why that was the stipulation. That should have been like for Brian, but why does Triple H need to be in that? Like I don't, I don't remember. If maybe I missed something in the lead up to it. Like he, why does he want the title? Like I, that I kind of forgot about, and I was kind of like, oh wait, I don't remember why the sole stipulation was the winner of this match goes on to the main event. It's like why not? If Daniel Bryan wins, he goes on to the main event, and if Triple H wins, he can fire Daniel Bryan. I don't know. <laughs> I just I don't know. I, I don't remember why they didn't, you know, go that route because I don't remember Triple H really having a, a issue with Orton or Batista. They didn't really play that up that much, unless I completely missed it. <laughs> and they didn't, and then they joined forces like the next night yeah, <laughs> and yeah. went against the Shield. So, which was awesome, by the way. Yeah, loved it. Evolution that maybe. was dope. Well, I mean. I was more happy to see the shield beat people up. Not really. Evolution didn't really care about evolution, but um, <laughs> that's the thing. Evolution was like a thing that I was a bark though for evolution. So, but by that point, it was, it had ended like twelve years Listen, earlier. Like, why are we still they, rehashing they it? Brought back the theme music, man. The theme music was dope. That's all I cared about. <laughs> Motorhead did kill that song. Rest in peace to Lemmy, by the way. Yeah. Uh, from Motorhead, that was a, that was a dope song, but. I didn't need to see evolution again, at least not like, like the the rehashing of it. Like the story that when they put them back together to, to lose to the Shield. All right, cool. But like, what they wanted to do was put Randy Orton and Batista in the main event, and like, hey, remember Evolution again? It's like we mm-hmm. saw this ten years ago. Like, yeah. we we've already had these matches in like 07 and 08. <laughs> like we're good. 
But back to Daniel Bryan and Triple H. Of course, we got here because Daniel Bryan was super over in 2013. He gets becomes number one contender for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam against John Cena. He beats John Cena. But of course, Triple H screws him out of the title because he was a special referee in that match. Immediately pedigrees him, allowing Randy Orton to cash in money in the bank, take the title right back from Daniel Bryan after only a, a few minutes or so. So Triple H does that to him. Then him and Stephanie continually call him a B-plus player, that he's just okay. And the story and storyline, they never really had any intention on him overcoming those odds and proving his critics wrong. <laughs> It's like, you're a B-plus player, and we want to treat you like one. <laughs> and that's yeah. just it. We're going to book you like one. It's like, what good does that do to crap on a wrestler and then show everybody, like, this is why he doesn't matter, by right. never giving him the title? Right. Instead, like I said, they wanted to go with uh, Batista and Randy Orton in the main event for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Now, the titles had been unified late in 2013. So... That was supposed to be the main event because, you know, for the 30th WrestleMania, let's have the main event be the 13th match between Randy Orton and Batista. Like, <laughs> no one was here for that. I Even mean, in 2014, I, I, no one was I here was, for that. I, I was. Cause I'm, I, was I was not. I was a big Batista mark. And uh, it was just horrendous timing because at that point, like, I, I didn't want him to kind of overtake that Daniel Bryan spot with me because... Dana Bryan came, like, after a SummerSlam, I was like, man, like, whatever. And I was just annoyed watching. But then once that Raw in January hit, when he turned on Bray Wyatt, I didn't want anything else. I wanted to see Daniel Bryan win the title at WrestleMania. So Batista coming back, like, they had already, you know, I think announced that by this point. So I was, like, all about it. And then, you know, I'm like, man. like, And then he won the, the Royal Rumble and everyone wasn't feeling it. And I'm like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't feel this. And I'm like one of the big Batista marks of my generation. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, so I was happy like he was there, but I was like, yeah, this isn't his time. It's just bad timing. I hope they don't put the title on him because it's just going to backfire. And uh, it's just, but I liked Batista. Like, I liked the I, story. I, they kind of played up with him and Orton, but no, I don't know. I I am the biggest Batista mark as anybody. <laughs> Love me some, some uh, Dave Batista, right? Big Dave is the man. And I would, I would like to see him wrestle. But in the main event of WrestleMania 30, the 30th, like you said, this is a tent pole WrestleMania. 10, 20, 30 this is where big things happen. At the 10th WrestleMania, we crowned a new star in Bret Hart. At the 20th one, yeah, and eventually it didn't work out, but they put Crispin Wild on that spot. Like, hey, he's a guy. And also, let's not forget John Cena was winning the U.S. title on that show, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you kind of spin it forward. You kind of show this is the next generation or the next 10 years. This is kind of how we, you know, this is what we're going to look forward to. Instead, at the 30th WrestleMania, they said, we're going to put this match that we, and rehash a story of the group that ended by 2014. Evolution had been done since 2005. So that's nine years. And we saw plenty of Randy Orton Batista matches in like 07, 08, or whatever it was. We had been there and done that. Even by 2014, <laughs> we were <laughs> done with that. Let's rehash this. Now, granted, Batista was in a different space because he was doing big movies now. 
he wasn't just doing B movies anymore. He was doing he, this is before the first Guardians of the Galaxy came out. This is big time. This is a Marvel movie. And he's since done even in the other big movies as well. He's become a bona fide star in Hollywood. Like maybe not to the level of The Rock, but he's carved out a nice career for himself. So yeah, it's a different Batista, but it's still same old Randy Orton. <laughs> like, like, let's it, also remember this that. is this is what WWE does. They made that WrestleMania 20 main event without Chris Benoit is Shawn Michaels versus Triple H. So yeah, yeah this is what they're known for. That's true. And nobody wanted to see that match again. Oh, man. Everyone was convinced, including myself, that rematch at Backlash the next month, that one at Triple H or Shawn Michaels was going to beat Benoit for the title. So, Good Lord. Yeah. yeah. So you, you have that. So the other matches on the card were supposed to be Triple H against CM Punk. And then Daniel Bryan, the hottest guy in the company throughout 2013, was apparently supposed to go against Sheamus. That would have been Sheamus. cool. Sheamus. That would have been cool. No. No, 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 no. We're going to rehash the fact that the match that he had at two years prior when he <laughs> lost in 18 seconds. Is that what's really hot right now? That's what's really popping right now? No. And he's probably going to lose that match. <laughs> so this was their plan until, as you mentioned earlier, CM Punk just up and quit WWE the night after the Royal Rumble. And that apparently threw WWE's plans all into a tizzy and forced them to finally get the people what they wanted. Which is like, what a novel concept. People were yelling and screaming in your face, we want this, and you eventually give it to them. And people were happy. How about that? <laughs> you know, like, if people were happy, they might spend some money with you. So they finally gave them what they want. Especially after the Royal Rumble when, you know, everybody was crapping on everything when they realized Daniel Bryan was in the Royal Rumble. So at that point, it really wasn't denying what the people wanted. You knew what they wanted. <laughs> they wanted Daniel Bryan. And WWE, kicking and screaming, finally gave it to him here at WrestleMania, starting off with this match, and <laughs> which was, like I said, the opening match of the show. And it did play into the main event. But honestly, if you talk from a storyline standpoint, this was the match on the show. From a story just from a storyline standpoint, obviously the title match was important because you wanted to see Daniel Bryan win the title. But if you had Yeah, but he doesn't get there without Without yeah, this, this. And he yeah. had the most interaction but he didn't really have that much interaction with Batista and Randy Orton before right. WrestleMania. It was really him and Triple H. Mm -hmm. This was this was huge. And then and they started off with the video package going through Daniel Bryan's career. And I was like, damn, you know what? The Miz storyline has been one of the longest running feuds with Daniel Bryan in WWE. Like, they yeah. could pick that up tomorrow and it still works. Mm -hmm. The Miz versus Daniel Bryan. It started in 2010. Here we are in 2021. If they started wrestling tomorrow, they could have a pay-per-view match next month. And it still works somehow. And it's like a 10-year feud. Something that still is going and they've always feuded against each other, whether one was a heel. I think they switched roles at one point. Wasn't Daniel Bryan a heel going against the Miz at one point? Maybe. I think when he was like the environmentalist before he went against Kofi. Yeah, I think I think, they, I think the so. Miz was I think the Miz went against him as a babyface. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I think you're right. Yeah. We, so, we did a we did a uh, a show 
on their whole rivalry. So that might have been around the time that that was going on. Yeah. I mean, it just it's been throughout Daniel Bryan's time in WWE that feud. Uh, I wrote down because you know looking at the video package that yes movement thing was legit. There's a reason why we had all this energy going into the show because Daniel Bryan was like making waves. Like they were doing that chant at sporting events, uh, like giant San Francisco Giants games. I remembered when I think Michigan State football won the Rose Bowl and they had like a this like Rose Bowl celebration. They honored the team during a basketball game, during a Michigan State basketball game, and one of the players started the yes chant. <laughs> like and the whole arena was doing it. <laughs> Like it's yeah, it just like really it was like everywhere. The first time in a long time, CM Punk couldn't even uh, get that mainstream connection. No, you know with his character. So, uh, yeah, this was like really like the mainstream was almost connecting with Daniel Bryan on a different level. That you know, it just it made it that much. And I, I think it was the whole you know small guy thing. Not not like the main reason, but it was like man overcome that. You know, overcome it. Like, like, just that type of thing. So, I think the whole story worked. And the fact that the mainstream connected with that whole movement, <laughs> honestly, it made it even, like, it magnified it. And yeah. it was great. I yeah, remember I seeing, people... like, videos like that just being like, that's that's awesome. Like, I wasn't embarrassed. It wasn't embarrassing. You know, it wasn't, you know, a thing that, people were making fun of they were like hyping it up i hadn't seen that since like honestly what the rock and austin where the mainstream was like really playing up that stuff and not using it as a punchline it was really cool to kind of relive that through this show through this video package it's like damn it was it was a good time for a wrestling fan just from the standpoint that like this guy may be the next guy that crosses over Mm -hmm. and we were all behind him like everybody, you wanted to see this guy when he had to win, and it, it's, it's wrestling is better when you got somebody like that that people can get behind. Yeah, and universally is behind, and it's not split like with John Cena. To me, wrestling is better when everybody's on the same page. It's like, yep, this is a guy. So that's what we have with Daniel Bryan. I think people forget how massive that was. Like that was a big, big deal back in 2014. And that's why he had to win these these matches on this night because it's like if you didn't do it, WrestleMania is going to be ruined at least on this yeah. night. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to mess it all. That'd be up, the last man. WrestleMania ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. There was no 31. That's it. Shut it down for good. Um, speaking of cool stuff though, how massive something was or whatever. Triple H's entrance. We talked about it last week. How he always get the big old entrance every year at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. But this one was dope as hell though. When he's walking out with the like the as the king with mm. his with his uh ladies, I guess his uh concubines. I don't know what you would call them. <laughs> um his helpers, I don't know. But he's got like the Game of Thrones look going because Game of Thrones is out by twenty fourteen, right? Yeah. I think uh it premiered in twenty eleven and I I did not even watch one second of it until way after this so same i, w- I, w- I wish i was you know kind of into that because then i would have known you know i think the first time i knew it was like seth rollins when he came out as the what a white walker but yeah um you know it was great you know like i 
think it, yeah, because Twitter was like lit every Sunday night, and it was before I really, before we used Twitter the way we do now. It was like used differently almost, and I didn't know like what the hell they were talking about. I don't know why. <laughs> like I was like, what's Game of Thrones? Anthony Gargano would talk about it on WIP, you know, back in the day, and I was just like, he, he would be like Game of Thrones, baby, and I'm like, what is this? Like, is it a game show? Like I, I <laughs> didn't no research on it. But yeah, it was like such a great show. Obviously, watching it back, and they obviously played off of it three years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Triple H comes out with the crown. He's looking like Shao Kahn a little bit with the crown, the half skull mask, which was dope. And of course, his ladies that was with him was like we said last week, three of the most prominent women on the roster right now: yeah. Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, and Alexa Bliss. <laughs> yeah, what do you know? <laughs> it was funny because I I knew I had heard this, and I was like watching it, and I'm like, they look familiar. And it just it was funny because I didn't realize that was this WrestleMania. For some reason, I thought it was like a a WrestleMania after this, like 31 maybe, uh, not 32 because I think they were on the main roster by that point. But yeah, I. It was just so funny. I was like, wow, that was WrestleMania 30? Like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, WrestleMania 30. Like, doesn't seem that, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's like, damn, they weren't even on the main roster yet. Like, yeah. And we'll see like later in the show like the state of the women's division mm-hmm. or the Divas division, I guess. I don't know. It was in rough shape yeah. in 2014. Just 2014. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, talking seven years ago. So... I wrote down, and we, remember we talked about this with like Halloween Havoc '98, and how like how much time did it take for the first bell to <laughs> ring? Yeah, on this show, and I counted. Well, I looked at the timestamp. I should say, Daniel Bryan makes his entrance. He gets into the ring, and they ring the bell, and we're more than thirty minutes into the show before the first bell rings. Mm. I was like, but I'm gonna let WWE slide on that because. They had that dope-ass opening segment with The Rock and Triple H. Not The Rock and Triple H. The Rock and Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan. Right? And this first match is going to be a banger. It wasn't going to be like Chris Jericho versus Raven in 98. (laughs) You know? We're talking about Daniel Bryan versus Triple H with a chance to go to the main event of WrestleMania. Like, this this was essentially, again, the main event of the show starting out the show. This was like a, a notch below Bret versus Owen. Like, if Brett versus Owen is the best opener in WrestleMania history, this is second. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, I'll let WWE slide for that. Because, you know, 30 minutes is a long time. But it is WrestleMania. They had a lot of proper circumstance in the opening segment. You got to get the pyro. You got to get the pack video packages and the elaborate entrances and all that stuff. Nobody was complaining, though. Because a lot happened no. in those 30 minutes. Yeah. Not like, we're not watching Rick Steiner and, and Buff Bagwell. <laughs> yeah. It was almost you know like, how do you use that time per capita? WWE was always <laughs> great at you know utilizing those minutes a lot better, uh, and yeah. especially in this show. Yeah, at least they did on this night uh, with everything they did before the first bell rang. Um, it made me think too. I don't think Daniel Bryan and Triple H had ever had a match together before this night. I don't either, because. He, I don't remember them ever being a part of the, like the same angle or same storyline before no. this. So, but I, the pairing, which you know maybe on paper doesn't sound like, oh, I don't know if I would want to see that. Watching this back, they worked really well together. Mm-hmm. 
And it, 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 Triple H was bumping around for Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. And it was like he was moving around much quicker. The pace was much quicker than a lot of his other matches are at WrestleMania usually. Because he wasn't working with somebody that's like him. Like, <laughs> he didn't work Brock Lesnar. He didn't work Batista. And even though Seth Rollins isn't really like him. But that match, for whatever reason, was just long and slow, from what I remember at least. It just didn't have the energy that this one had. Now, obviously, this had this, the angle. This had heat. You know, there was a big story around this one. The Seth Rollins match did not have that. <laughs> you know, let's just be clear on that. But, like, Sting, that match, it was okay. But this one had all the emotion, all the energy, and Daniel Bryan going from one side of the ring to the next, and Triple H bumping around for him. I thought this match was dope. 100%. I mean, we got Daniel Bryan taking a mean bump on the outside of the ring when he did that dive. I'm telling you, man. Which is wild. Knowing what we know now uh, about how this pans out for him, like some of these bumps he's taken, it's just like, man, relax. (laughs) Like, I know it's kind of like his style, but even before this, they stopped a match in the middle of Monday Night Raw. Yep, because I'll he never got forget a concussion. It. So, you know, that no, it wasn't a concussion. It was like a stinger because I remember his arms went limp in the ring. Oh, that's right. I remember yeah. that match. I, yeah, I just, you know, that's my fault. Um, I just, it, it's it's just weird to look at, you know, like knowing what we know now and how he he would do the missile drop kick off the top rope, which I always hated because. And not his specifically, but just in general. Booker T, I think, had like the best one because he always landed where it didn't look like it hurt him. I probably did, probably stung a little bit, landing on like his elbow and stuff. But he turned sideways. These people that like jump and land on their back for for that those missed drop kicks, I'll never understand it. Because yeah, I don't. He even it. saw like during I think it was this match. I, I'm pretty sure it was this match and not the main event where. He hit he hit it and he had to wait, you know, a little bit before doing the kip up. He had to gather yeah. himself a little bit, you know, like that. Uh, it's just it sucks to watch because I know like he's just doing he's doing it for us, but he's like really legitimately hurting himself and I'm just like, Ugh. Yeah. I mean he eventually did because it it cut his career short yeah. until he it was yeah. able to come back, but yeah. For a for a while it it ended his career. So, I did. I did also enjoy uh, his fairy boots. That's a nice little touch. You know, homage to Bruiser Brody. Brody. Yeah, How about so that. Rest in peace to Bruiser Brody. Yeah. Uh, the exact opposite of like a Bruiser Brody would be Stephanie McMahon, who <laughs> she was great on this night as far as heckling Daniel Bryan at ringside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Like, you're not good enough, Daniel. And <laughs> 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 just yelling at this is what happens when you play the game. All that stuff. So, I thought that was pretty good. But this match overall, which is like I said, the the match itself was great. Uh, the storytelling, the action, the emotion, it honestly had it all. I thought it was the best one of the night. And it was the opener, and I thought it was actually one of the best matches Triple H has ever had at WrestleMania, outside of maybe the ones he's had with Undertaker. Because I think the Hell in the Cell with Undertaker was really good. I think people forget how good the first one he had with Undertaker at WrestleMania 17. Uh, almost a forgotten Triple H Undertaker match. Mm-hmm. That was dope. People forget how good that was because the, I think the Hell in a Cell and the one the year before that kind of overshadowed it. But I think this might have been one of Triple H's best WrestleMania matches ever. Yeah, I would say that. I so I'm definitely 
I'd say, like, I don't know if I'm going to rank them, like, now, but it's definitely in the top five for me. Yeah, easily. I mean, he's had a bunch, too. That's the thing. He's had so many. Like, yeah. Um, so there's, there's bound to be some some misses, but I, I would go, if you want to go, like, a top three or four or whatever, uh, his one against Ultimate Warrior had to be up there. <laughs> It was funny they mentioned that on the show. Like he's had matches against The Rock and the Ultimate Warriors. Like he lost that match in like thirty seconds. Like you can't mention that. <laughs> like, that. We can't go with he that. No sold the pedigree, man. Like right, come on. he got right back up and kept marching through Triple H, <laughs> which I think was Triple H's first WrestleMania. So that's interesting. But if you're gonna go with matches, I, I would say, like I said, the, the first Undertaker match, the, the third Undertaker match, I guess, the Hell in a Cell. There's no particular order. And the Daniel Bryan match would be my top three from Triple H at WrestleMania. wow. Really? Because I'm thinking, I I don't know what else. His matches aren't that good at WrestleMania anymore. To me, at least. They go really long, and they're kind of slow. And I love Triple H. It's just, they don't do it for me. I I, I think for me personally, it's it's about uh, really what is at stake and... For me, it was uh, Batista in the World Heavyweight Title. The that, that's that's probably that was probably one of my, if not my top Triple H Mania match. It'd be that's interesting probably to, interesting to do a bracket style. How about that? We'll right, do, like Triple H WrestleMania matches. That's probably the fourth one on the list for me. But like, oh, wow. it none of those are better than like. So if you give me the Jericho match at WrestleMania 18, that's not better than the four we mentioned. And that, and that part of that sucked because not really sucked, but part of the the, the timing of it was was unfortunate for them because they follow had to follow The Rock and Hogan. Yeah. Uh the match itself was okay, but no one no one really cared at that point. <laughs> it's just they were all still emotionally spent from The Rock and Hogan. But the Booker T match, come on. I mean, I I get mad every time I talk about that damn match at WrestleMania 19 cuz Booker T should have won. Yeah. Uh but <laughs> WrestleMania 20, the the Triple Threat, that was actually that's probably fifth on the list. That was actually really good. It was. Um uh, that's one of the best triple threat matches I've ever seen, honestly. But the Cena match at 22, eh, it was all right. The one they had, I think it was Cena, him, and Orton at 24, no. The one that gets Orton at 25, no. 26 against Sheamus, nah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, the first Undertaker match was, uh, it was all right. Then, of course, you got the second one, it was just dope. But, like, Brock, nope. <laughs> Sting, nope. Uh,. Roman Reigns, nope. Seth Rollins, nope. <laughs> I'm just going through <laughs> Batista, nope. <laughs> so, yeah. Daniel Bryan, Triple H. This one, particular one, it was uh, one of the better, If you know, you could probably make the argument that it's the best Triple H match. The tri- best WrestleMania match Triple H has ever had, arguably. It's definitely in the conversation. Uh, but, of course, Daniel Bryan wins. Because he, he should have. Uh, one clean as a sheet. Beat him one, two, three in the ring. But, of course, they got to get some more heat on him. Yeah. They beat him up after the match. Hurt the shoulder a little Which bit I more. Loved. I loved it. Oh, yeah. It still gave, you make you, that, it gave you that doubt. Like, oh, man. like Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you're going to put the guy over, you got to make that hill just a little bit more steep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, for him to climb up. You know, because you're going to put him over anyway. He's going to overcome was, these odds. There, there was a small part of me that was like, you know what? It's totally Vince McMahon to just take him out of the main event. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine? Dude. He just never came back for the main event. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Wow. That would have been, not, that would have, that, like I said, it would have been the last WrestleMania ever. <laughs> you talk about a revolt or a riot. <laughs> it's bad enough that it, it, to say they never put him in there. That would have been bad enough. But to tease it that he's supposed to be in it and he gets taken away from him. <laughs> right. Whoa. That would have been, that would have been a mutiny in New Orleans. Mm-mm-mm. Man. You would have been, been part been, of history. For real, I probably would have, would have got out of there. Like you would have been, been crazy. You would have been, you would have been leading it. <laughs> no, no. I'd been on the first flight back to Philly. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. <laughs> it's, it's lawless enough turn, down here. Turn on the news. You see like scenes from New Orleans. Right. It's me with my, with my it's me with my suitcase and my laptop just running <laughs> running away. Mm-mm. No. I ain't trying to get, be in a mix of 100,000 marks, be mad about Daniel Bryan. Mm-mm. <laughs> um, mm-mm. I'm good. I hey, we were good. the Royal Rumble, you know? Mm. Yeah, but this is way more people. <laughs> this is way more people That's true. from yeah. different countries and stuff. They flew all the way overseas, <laughs> took vacation days off of work. <laughs> the rules are different for that. <laughs> You're right. Spit right. <laughs> you never know, man. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about our laws. They come over here. They spent thousands of dollars probably on flights and hotels, and they didn't get what they want. Oh man, <laughs> I wouldn't blame them. So, but moving on, we got the second match of the show. We got the Shield and their second WrestleMania appearance, going against the New Age Outlaws and Kane. Man, corporate Kane, <laughs> corporate Kane in the slacks, <laughs> and the New Age Outlaws who made mm. up the Authority at that time. Yeah. What Which a I bizarre! Still enjoyed. I still enjoyed that. I enjoyed that group a little bit. What group? Uh, the Authority? Yeah. Which version of the Authority are you talking about? Are you talking about this particular one, or are you talking about the one with JJ Security and Seth Rollins and Big Show and Orton? Like, which one are you talking about? Uh, here? I don't know. Because <laughs> I could. I'm, I'm not. I'm out on the authority, authority overall. My favorite Authority uh, window. I'll say window was when the Rhodes family. You know. Beat, uh, won the tag team titles or something like that from That's I fair. think it was the Shield and but I know they were good against the Authority at the same time so right that was my favorite like part of that and I, that's when I was like okay like I, I buy the Authority as a you know heel faction type thing because they're gonna let other people you know win you know the the crowds were going nuts for the Rhodes family winning so I was like ah oh, like hey things have changed. <laughs> That's also in the very beginning of it. Yes, yes, that's why. That's before it ran its course, and people were like, "I'm done with this," which was like, by this point, this should have been the end of the authority at this uh, exactly pay per view. So this should have been the end. Survivor Series later this year should have been the end. WrestleMania 31 should have been the end, and we were still going. (laughs) Like, well, and we we, it didn't end until 2016. Or something like that when the brand extension happened, yeah. right? I think that's when it kindly, kind of finally ended. Maybe, yeah. Because maybe came in, right? And, right. But, <sighs> man, the authority. What a, what, a, what a trash group that was. I will <laughs> say my favorite, one of my favorite segments, though, of all time, did involve the authority. And that was when Seth and Randy were feuding. Yeah. <laughs> they were arguing in the ring together. And Triple H is in the, in the middle of him. He's in the between, trying, I guess, kind of mediate. <laughs> and Randy Orton, they they like Triple H, is like don't don't do nothing, Randy. Chill out, bro. Like be cool. And Seth is talking all this mess, talking all this trash. 
And then Randy Orton's like, you know what? Forget it. And just hits Seth Rollins with the RKO. And Seth Rollins is just on the ground dead. And all you see, Randy Orton hits the RKO and leaves immediately. <laughs> Fans are going crazy. But Triple H is standing in the ring, which is like, I can't believe he just yeah. did that. Like, I, yeah. that look on his face, I'll never forget it. It was hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, he's like, I, I told him not to do it. He did it anyway. And then Seth Rollins is still on the ground selling. And he tells the J&J, like, get him up off the ground, man. Like, come on. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Triple H's face made the whole segment. He was just like, oh, I can't believe he did. I, this is all. I can't believe it. Like, I just, I've had enough. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. But back to WrestleMania 30, we got this match, which was like, what, what happened here? Why did we, what, what, what is this? I had more of an like, issue with the entrances. Right. It was so bizarre. <laughs> So you get the New Age Outlaws, and they do their thing. Then they get cut off by the Shield and their entrance, which was, I thought it was going to be dope because they had the mask on. I'm like, yeah. oh, they got these masks, and they're going to walk through. Then they get cut off by Kane. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell? Like, what is this? <laughs> you like, got to have is- that Kane music and pyro. But they're going to get that during the Outlaws thing, right? I know, I, don't- I know, I know. <laughs> Weird stuff going on. And then the match is super short. And just, I mean, I guess it should have happened. The Shield should have whooped everybody's ass. Yeah. But it was just really short. And then it was like, done. And it was like, that's, these are, this is crazy to think that eventually all three of these guys will be world champions in the main events of WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And they get like a three minute match on the show. Yeah, and it's just like, man. 30 too. Like, right. Mm-hmm. This is your future right here. This, this <laughs> guy should be in a very prominent spot. They get cut very short. It's like, did they like forget? That this match is supposed to be a thing they didn't carve out enough time for it or that they did not know what to do with the shield i didn't know what the hell was happening here like it was just weird yeah it was like uh the relative beginning of their face turn they had only been really faces for a couple months yeah. i think at this point so maybe yeah and it should have been lasted longer out. yeah if they stayed together for a longer period of time i think they could have been a first time they could have had a main event treat like a main event group as opposed to just one guy. Right. And you think about what they've done with the New Day, who were together for, what, six years? Yeah. You know? Like, the Shield were only together two. Right. But the even, main roster. Less even than though two, the actually. New Day has, like, Kofi's been champion, and mm-hmm. they are a top, like, they are a top group. They're, they're figured yeah. in. They're always on the show and stuff like that. But the Shield could have been, like, I don't want to say like the Beatles. I guess it's like a really not an accurate comparison, but that's that's a time where you could put that name on the marquee, and people would be like, "I'm buying tickets to see the Shield." Like, yeah. like their merch was selling, and they were three main event guys in one group, and you could have sold them as the the act to put on the top of the marquee. Mm-hmm. The New Day, as much as I love them, I don't know WWE is ever going to put them in that spot all together. Case in point, they split Big E off, Big E off a little bit, you know, by himself. Yeah. But the shield was, they could have been that, and they just didn't yeah. do it. They cut yeah. it short. You're right. Uh, Which, but at man, least that they, was, uh, <sighs> damn, I forgot what I was going to say, but uh, this, I, I all, often wonder if Batista leaving had anything to do with, you know, them splitting the shield up so early. Maybe. I, I don't think those, that was, I, I think he signed a four year deal. When he came back, and then it was clearly, like, I think he realized, well, this isn't my time, and 
got another right. like movie deal or whatever. But uh, yeah, I often wonder about that. If uh, hmm. maybe they had that in the plans, and then once Batista left, they were like, "Oh, we got to pivot." <laughs> yeah, that created a new heel. But man, what, uh, you, what, you, you, laid, what you laid out would have been like absolutely fantastic. It would have been dope to see at least for a while. Yeah. Like to see just them as a as a trio. And they could still win titles together. You know, you could have still probably put Roman in the main event if you that's what you really wanted to do. And I think it would have helped him have credibility to fans if he was with the Shield still. The Shield still. I should say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, he was on his own. And he, at first, you could just tell he wasn't quite ready to be on his own yet. He's figured it out eventually. But at that point, he needed some time. I think if he was still with the Shield, and you know, they are all together whooping everybody's ass, and Roman is trying to be the WWE champion, I think it would have helped him get over way quicker than it didn't when it actually happened. Yeah. I think it would have helped all three guys overall. But we got what we got, and at least on this night, instead of them losing to the to the veterans, they beat the hell out of them, which was what they should have done. Um, one thing I totally forgot though. Was that Dean Ambrose was the U.S. champion at this time? And guess who else <laughs> forgot? WWE, because he never defended that title. <laughs> like, <laughs> he rarely defended that title. Yeah, which is just w- yeah. weird. Uh, but we go backstage now to Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Sergeant Slaughter, <laughs> playing with action figures because, of course, that's what legends do—they play with toys. Why the hell not? And then we get a quick count from Danny Davis because, of course, he's still a crooked <laughs> referee. That was great. That was kind of great. I'm not going to lie. And then Ricky Steamboat comes in and does like the karate sounds and he's doing comedy, which is like they've done that with Ricky Steamboat over the years. And I think about like, but he never actually did that during his career. <laughs> Why did they make him all of a sudden go? And that's his character. You know, like, as you age, you get funny. It's like whoa. Ricky Steamboat is a pretty serious baby face back in the day. <laughs> Winning world championships. Hall of Famer, obviously. But like Ricky Steamboat wasn't some guy that just played for last. Like he was, he was out here trying to beat people up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he even had a Komodo dragon and a spitting fire at one point. There's nothing right. funny about that. <laughs> Why did WWE do that? I don't understand that. It's Ricky Steamboat. Look, go back and watch those matches he had with Flair. Like that's all you need to see to know this guy was a real deal. It wasn't funny. I don't know. I didn't get it, but. Uh, then Ted DiBiase comes in and he buys up all the action figures because he's the million dollar man. <laughs> and Sergeant Slaughter's like, I thought you retired. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. And of course, all of this ends with Ron Simmons coming in and going, damn. And that's the end of the segment. So. <laughs> that was way better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> My impersonation? Yeah. I do a pretty good Ron Simmons. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to put that in the intro. <laughs> people don't really think we had Ron Simmons on the show. You can't do that <laughs> out of context. I don't do a good one. Damn, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Why is that so funny to me? Oh my god. <laughs> Am I doing a podcast with Ron Simmons? Like, holy crap. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Move to on. Legend. Yeah, to the first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. 
And I just thought about it right off the top of my head. Remember they started this for the women and they called it the <laughs> the oh, fabulous man. Moolah Battle Royal and people lost their oh, minds. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. People deserve to lose their minds. But it was like as soon as it got announced, it's like people was like, Nope, not having it. <laughs> and WWE eventually changed it to the just the women's battle royal. <laughs> but was that the next year, by the way, or was it? No, two I think years the first ago. one was twenty. I want to say the first one was twenty eighteen. Oh wow, that was late. I think the first one was twenty eighteen. Yeah. I think Naomi won the first one. Mm. I don't know who won twenty nineteen. Yeah, uh, I remember yeah. being on Twitter and everyone was like, "This is not a great idea." <laughs> no, let's not do this. Let's not do this at all. But yeah, we got the first ever on this night though. The, the inspiration for that was the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And we got it on this night, the first one. Really, this is the type of battle royal that would happen probably on the pre-show back in the day and no one would care, no one would watch it. But WWE was like, hey, let's actually make it a thing. Get everybody actually on the proper show. I know they've done it on the pre-show in years in the pre in the years ensuing. I don't know if they had it on the main card since 30 since WrestleMania 30 honestly like I know the next year it was on the pre-show and I'm pretty sure that's been the case probably in the years since but of course the first one you making a big deal they had it actually on the main card to get all these guys on the show and it's paying homage to Andre the Giant which is nice uh so also paying homage was Paul White formerly known as the big show <laughs> oh okay <laughs> okay Got his own entrance, but he's wearing the Andre the Giant singlet, you know, the one yeah. strap, you know, as a homage. Uh, and Sheamus got his entrance, too, for some reason. It was, you know. This was, by the way, I think the best the big show looked in WWE. I liked his look. Like, he, he was, his body looked good. His beard looked good. It wasn't like that long, straggly beard. It was like a well-shaped. I think this is like the best he looked in WWE. Just I haven't kept track of it. Big I mean, Show's looks over the years. There's been at least 20, so. And at least 45,000 turns, so. Yeah. Has he turned babyface or heel yet in, in AEW? Has uh, he turned yet? Yeah, four times so far. Oh, see, there you go. Just on <laughs> just on Wednesday night show. Yeah. <laughs> turned. In the 9 o'clock hour, so. Yep, yeah, yeah. But uh, look at that, this match, and it's like, some of the people that's in this match is like, wow, like all three members of New Day on this match before New Day. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. That's crazy. Right? Big E was the Intercontinental Champion. No one cared. <laughs> but he's the champion today, and every people and it's different this time, so that's good. Yeah. Uh Brad Maddox was in this match. Yeah. He was the first one eliminated. And it's like, what what the hell? Uh he's also the general manager of Raw, apparently. At that time? In this, Already? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> no idea. I do remember vaguely the authority kind of pushing him around a lot and they eventually just right. took him took off of the GM. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like why? <laughs> why do yeah. we have him as GM? Um but bro, this Clay was in there, Drake Kali was in there. Then I remember and I saw three M B, three man band was in there. And it's like Dude. Wow, what a crappy group that was. But two <laughs> of the three guys are WWE <laughs> champions. <laughs> what? <laughs> Drew Dude. McIntyre, Jinder Mahal, WWE champions. Drew Mac Jinder Mahal held the title for like seven months. <laughs> I thought Drew McIntyre left. Like, I totally forgot about 3MB, by the way. But I even thought of Drew McIntyre left WWE back in like 2011 or 2012. <laughs> no. So when I saw him here, 
without a beard, you know, and obviously, you know, he looked a lot smaller. I was like, wait, is that your McIntyre? And I had to literally wait like three times before I saw him or three like times I saw him to be like, yes, that's your McIntyre. I didn't even look it up to see like the match list. I was just like, man, like he, he looks so different, but so similar at the same time. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's very weird. And it's funny, him and Jinder Mahal got eliminated at the same time. <laughs> Future Bummer. WWE champions. Bummer. And Slater, he Slater soon followed. Not a future <laughs> WWE champion, but he is one half of the first ever SmackDown Tag Team champion. So, yes, he is. Remember him, him and Rhino. I do. <laughs> the first, I do. And and C Slater had like a million kids all yep. of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. He was keeping. I got busy. kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got the Miz in this match pre movie star gimmick when he was just mm. a baby face, I think, still, or maybe he wasn't a baby face. He was just lost. This yeah. was like. A lost period for the Miz. I'm surprised he wasn't like a, one of those releases when they do those every year at this point. It, it's kind of remarkable to think that he bounced back from this because he was, yeah. I think he was WWE champion at the top of the world, and in the 2013 they turned him, he turned him babyface, which was a terrible decision <laughs> in hindsight because he's he's a natural heel, and then he just got lost and he was off TV for a long time, and he didn't come back to like June. 2014 that's when he became the movie star and they they were quiet on the set before his theme music hits and he started wearing (laughs) the ridiculous outfits and stuff like that so it's worked out for him but he was just at this point he was just lost i did just like i think they just kind of ran their course with his character and he didn't really have anything and it's just like he just needs time away and he got that time and he came back and he's been better for it but uh we also got fandango in here who eliminated biggie and then he dances around a bunch and gets eliminated soon after. Uh, but that by Sheamus, by the way, who hit him in the chest <laughs> with the club thing, you know, forearm thing. I counted twenty seven times, oh. and then he just fell off the apron. <laughs> so we got Fandango. Then we got Rey Mysterio, who I forgot was in WWE in twenty fourteen. Jeez, yeah. Who I noticed was wearing the Obey logo on one side of his his gear on one leg of his pants. Now, I'm, I don't know if you've ever seen like the Obey thing, like the, with the face and it's the, written on the red block uh, and the white letter says Obey. Mm, I don't know if you've ever seen I don't that. Think so, look it up real quick. Doesn't it doesn't ring uh, a bell? But it it kind of it kind of made like a comeback, like a 24 to 2015. It's like people started wearing it on clothes, stuff like that. But the thing about it, it's like a it's like a clothing brand that somebody made up in like in the 90s or something like that. But thing about that the obey part of it was actually inspired by they live which starred roddy piper <laughs> but the face is actually andre the giant's face hmm. like the artist drew it up after andre the giant so that's like oh, Rey mysterio's kind of homage i see it. Okay. to andre oh. so that was pretty cool uh the final four in the ring for this match were Del Rio, Sheamus, Big Show, and Cesaro, who had just broken up with Jack Swagger earlier in the night. Even though he was already a United States champion, he hadn't really broken out as a single yet. But that was all about to change. As he, to win the match, eliminated Big Show by hoisting this big, large man over his head and dumping him out of the ring. 
and becoming the first ever winner of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Still the best finish in the history of this match. Yes. Because no other finish is remotely as as impressive or memorable as this one. Sorry, Rob Gronkowski. Just just didn't. (laughs) (laughs) When you was in it, didn't do it for me. The place exploded. You saw it on TV. Yeah. And it was in the arena. It was thunderous because it was like, whoa, like no one saw that coming. And he dumped him out, and it was like, wow, like, all right, Cesaro, it's his time. Like, they, they had to, this is a springboard for him. Everybody already knew what he was capable of. This is his time. Let's go. Psych. <laughs> like, they tried to put him over Paul Heyman. That didn't work out. And he. The next he's night, been in some, too, right? Right, something like oh, that. Man. Then they put him in some dope tag teams. You know, he's the bar with him and Sheamus. I yeah. thought that was a dope tag yeah. team. One of my favorites uh, he's been in. Yep. He was just recently in the tag team with Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, t- don't forget Tyson Kidd. Tyson the next Kidd, year, that was yeah. a dope tag team in 2014, 2015. And now they're kind of breaking him out on his own again with the Seth Rollins stuff. We'll see where this goes. Hopefully, they actually like you know really put him in a prominent spot. But he's still kind of trying to find something to do with Seth Cesaro, yeah. even though he's plainly obvious one of the best physical talents on the roster, he's got charisma. What are you waiting for, WWE? Come on, Cesaro is a monster, and is a it's a, he's a guy that I think people would like to just see wrestle. A lot of guys, you know, it's the reason why people are stars because they they got charisma, they can talk. But I think the normal layman person would just be impressed by what they see in the ring from Cesaro when he's throwing people around, hitting those European uppercuts, swinging people around, picking up. You know, extremely heavy people like the Big Show. He's a guy I just like to watch work. Of course, you know, charisma and everything else is a part of it, but he's just so physically impressive that I think that even just him doing what he does in the ring could turn some heads. So I mean, it's been what? He's been there even before 2010, right? I think his first year there, like, yeah, I think he signed like 2012. 2011 something like that because i remember watching ring of honor a lot when he was with chris hero and king and the kings of wrestling and i think i think they signed it around the same time i think they signed it the same time i want to say that was 2011 2012 maybe 2012 something like that and yeah and then don't forget he went to he, remember he went back to nxt for a little bit and was going against Sami Zayn. yeah and they yeah. were having some classics down there and that was like 2014 Around this time, actually, I think, like, yeah. I want to say when the WWE Network started, when they started um, doing the takeovers on the network, I think the first one was Cesaro and, and Sami Zayn on the on that card, so. Yeah, he signed with WWE in September 2011. I thought he was there mm. before that, but, wow. No, uh, he, was, he was in Ring of Honor before that. He's been that. there quite a, quite a long time. <laughs> yeah, a decade. A decade for this guy. And they still, like, don't know what to do with him. Like, come yeah, on, it's obvious. Rain, damn it. <laughs> Like, it's obvious. Just put him in that stratosphere, at least, of getting world title chances and stuff like that. Like, he should be easily taken seriously as a top contender for the world title. You don't have to convince people of that. Mm. Just look at what he does. So, And honestly, I mean, the pairing with Paul Heyman could have been great, and they just fumbled the bag with that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. It just didn't work for some reason. But they were I don't know. They were trying to, like 
too many Paul Heyman guys. And he had like Curtis Axel and Oh Ryback. my god. It's like come on, <laughs> oh my like, god. stop it. Stop I forgot it. about that. Rybaxel. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Woo, that was embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgot about they brought back Curtis Axel and made him like try to make him like a star. And it just didn't work. Uh, it just didn't just didn't work out. But you know. It is what it is. We're moving on to now one of the more marquee matches on the show. John Cena versus Bray Wyatt. And a fight for John Cena's... (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) But for John Cena's legacy. (laughs) That's even worse. Like, What the hell are they talking about? And to go along with that, they had an Eminem song called Legacy. Who cared about any of that? The song, the legacy. What? What is this all about? What is this all about? If he, if he loses to Bray Wyatt, do we like get rid of all his title reigns? Yeah, I don't. I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. <laughs> the really story was that Bray Wyatt, in his cryptic way, was trying to bring the monster out of John Cena. <laughs> yeah, and they did the same damn thing with Kane years before this. Right, embrace the hate. Yeah. This time it wasn't as direct because Bray Wyatt there's nothing direct about him huh. uh, try to do the same thing and we know what happened here it didn't work John Cena wins <laughs> he overcomes all the odds <laughs> but it made me think like this is when the Bray Wyatt character started to go off the rails yes because before this he was really just a cult leader in the backwoods in the swamp and this was his first Big loss, or loss at all? I don't think he had any losses. Yeah, he beat Daniel this. Bryan at the Royal Rumble. You know, they like, beat Daniel Bryan and they beat the Shield at Elimination Chamber. Hmm. But the Shield still weren't losing often. Like, like it took a while for the Shield to lose, start losing matches, and they beat the Shield. The Wyatt family did, but not just the loss, but the creative just never rebounded from it. He could re- he could have re- could have rebounded from a loss to John Cena, but they went too far into the magical territory, which I've I've never been a fan of. You know, for the five six years that we've done this podcast, I remain consistent and my feelings toward the Bray Wyatt character. I've never liked when he could teleport and turn the lights out and all that magical mythical stuff. He was much more interesting to me, much more intriguing to me as a backwards. A cult leader based in reality, because to me those are those people are more scary because they actually exist. I'm not afraid of a guy who can teleport. Those people don't exist. <laughs> like we don't have people teleporting out here. I play Mortal Kombat to see people teleport, but in real life, there are real life cult leaders out here who exist and who can manipulate people to do terrible things to themselves and others. That's much more intriguing than a guy who can teleport and all that stuff that Bray Wyatt's done now he's got this mask that makes him pretty much unstoppable and they got the whole thing the, the swamp match and all that stuff I don't really care about that and I looked just thought about it it's like he lost his way and then did the same thing to Rusev the next year at Wrestlemania and it's like you know, facing John Cena and losing to him did nothing for either guy and it didn't would, help John Cena. <laughs> no, it did nothing for John Cena. 
Now it did. I would say beating Rusev did give him the U.S. title, which started his U.S. title matches, which were all great. But what did it do for Rusev? Mm. Nothing. And I know some people are like, well, he gets the rub. You know, he got, he got a match against John Cena. In hindsight, now that we have six and seven right. years to look back right. at these careers, especially, specifically Rusev, who's not even in WWE anymore. So we're going to look at his from that time to the end of his WWE run. What did that match do for Rusev? Because you look back, his career was on the ascent. Then he went against John Cena and it went downhill from there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a roller coaster. But it never really came back up. It started to come back up with Rusev Day, and it just said, nope, never going to be a babyface, Rusev. And that was pretty much the end of it. Yep. The, the, him facing Cena was the height of his career, and that was it. It's not like it took him to greater heights. And the same goes for Bray Wyatt. And I know Bray Wyatt has won the Universal Championship. He's still a top star in WWE. They, they book him like a top star, and he's now this unstoppable clown. You know, with the mask, and I say clown in a good way. I'm not saying clown with like dis- disparagingly. <laughs> unstoppable, <laughs> right? Clown. But he really is. He's got the clown okay. mask, and he's unstoppable you now. <laughs> but what did it? What did? Do we care about the fact that he lost to John Cena at WrestleMania 30? No, it does nothing for him. It's like two fresh faces at WWE spent an entire year building up, put all these creative juices behind it. Especially with Bray Wyatt, they've all all these promos, all these all these vignettes, and then you get the Rusev and all the stuff they were doing with the Vladimir Putin stuff, which was wild in hindsight. Yeah. Right. Then they gave him a tank at WrestleMania <laughs> just to extinguish it with John Cena. Yeah, I'll never get it. It's like, and what did you do all that for? You did all that creative energy just to have Cena just put that fire out for nothing. And I remember for thinking. What? I remember thinking, oh, they made Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family look pretty bad with Daniel Bryan, you know, doing what he did to them. Even though they beat, even though Bray beat Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble, I was like, all right, they're going to get things back on track. He's going to beat Cena at Mania, and then here we go. And then once Cena won, I I was almost, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate this, but it was more shocking to me than Lesnar beating The Undertaker. No, no, stop I'm it. Kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, what are you talking but about? I was very surprised. You know, I didn't have I my jaw on the floor like I did with Lesnar Undertaker, but I was like, are you kidding me? Like, seriously? Yeah. It made no sense. I was surprised, but it still didn't make it the decision any more befuddling in that, like, why? Why would you do that, WWE? Like, you built up, you spent so much time, like eight months building up this character. And making him interesting and intriguing, and he gets a cool entrance with the with the band and the, and the cool ass song. Which I forgot, like how cool yeah. Bray Wyatt's original theme song was. Yeah, I'm like it's a pretty dope song. But and they did the same thing again the next year with Rusev. And gave him the cool entrance at WrestleMania with the tank and the whole it was like a, like an army of people or whatever it was, with the soldiers and all that. Everything about it was dope. And then John Cena just beats him. It's like what what. Why did you do all that? And they did the same thing again. With they pretty much did with Bray Wyatt twice, because they built up the fiend, <laughs> yeah. all that creative energy just to have Goldberg beat him in two minutes. <laughs> uh, and he yet he's still there. God bless you, Bray. It just doesn't make any sense, man. 
just doesn't make any sense WWE and those and it's even more egregious with those two guys because they were yeah. fresh faces yep. younger guys who they built up from scratch who was Bray Wyatt before he was Bray Wyatt he was Husky Harris he was <laughs> that wasn't the guy on the indies who they you know made uh, you know took that like Samoa Joe or Finn Balor or something like that AJ Styles and just transported it to WWE these are two guys Rusev the same thing who they built up from scratch in WWE as far as a character at least and they just destroyed their own creations. <laughs> Why? He's injecting a lethal dose of poison yeah, into his he, own he stuff. Did. They pretty much did. <laughs> they pretty much it does, and it still just to this day doesn't make any sense to me um, why they did that. Uh, another thing that doesn't make any sense to me, and it makes me upset now in hindsight because we're it, this, will, this will never happen at this point. But why? How did WWE go all these years and never get a notable WrestleMania match out of Luke Harper? <sighs> he did have a ladder match at WrestleMania 31, but that was still like an eight-man match. Mm-hmm. I'm talking. They could have. They should. There's no way they shouldn't like have had a one-on-one yeah. spotlight match with Luke Harper. And the fact that they didn't get one, and now because he unfortunately the the man playing the character Luke Harper, John Huber. Has unfortunately passed away. We'll never get that. Mm-mm. And it's like, damn, WWE, y'all be having his talent. Luke Harper was an obvious one. It's not like, I don't know how you miss it. I can understand sometimes they miss certain guys. You shouldn't have missed Luke Harper. And they missed it. And they never and they squandered it. It's like, you got these guys in your roster. They're willing to do whatever it takes to impress you. Let them run. And they just don't. And now, like I said, he, he, it will never happen because he's passed away. He didn't even get the six-second match with The Rock. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Eric Rowan got that. It's like... Yeah, but, but that's when they showed him the respect. They're like, we're not going to job you out to The Rock. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We just won't feature you. Yeah. And what was it? When was it 2017 or whatever it was when... When the Wire family, I guess, was getting back together or something like that. When I don't remember when he and was it Ray Wyatt and Randy Orton were tag team partners, or was it Randy Orton and Luke Harper? Because remember when Randy Orton was in the Wire family, <laughs> like, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> that was a wild time. And of course, he turned on him and whatnot. We all saw that coming. But they didn't even have like a big match with Randy Orton and Luke Harper. That was like a SmackDown match. Yeah. And Randy right, Orton, yeah. I think, won, and that was it. Was didn't he win to like get in the Wire family or something? That was like. That a spot maybe. in a while because Luke Harper was never like he was always being like I don't know about this Randy guy. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he hears voices in his head. <laughs> he was mach- skeptical Macho Man before <laughs> Macho Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know about this Rand Orton. They call him the Viper. Vipers bite people. I don't like things that bite people. But a snake I bit me this. once. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah, that was so. Uh, what a time! I'm trying. I'm trying to like. I I don't know if I can get my Macho Man voice back. I gotta. I gotta. Oh, no. I gotta dig deep. I gotta dig deep inside and you know, be a man. Drink, drink some whiskey. It'll <laughs> be all right. <laughs> I finished. I finished mine. So oh. I can't. You know, it's a school night, so I can't. Have right, you'll, a be second right. one, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. 
No, you can have a second one. It's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll tell it work tomorrow. My friend Vaughn told me that uh, I'm fine, so I'm fine, okay? Look, after what everything that's going down during this pandemic, teachers can use a drink. All right. They can use an extra drink or two. Yeah, it's true. Very true. But um, back to this match, though. This match, I wrote down that this match was a big old bowl of okay. Like, that's what my, this was. Well, my favorite part of this is Michael Cole. Bray is learning about hustle, loyalty, and respect. What the hell is he talking about? Oh my god! <laughs> I just wanted to—I wanted to stop watching after that. <laughs> I was like, I don't care out. about Daniel Bryan Ugh. in the main event. I'm turning this off. Ugh, that's uh, horrible. It has nothing like. And we're no. always—you know—we're always ones to give Michael Cole his that you know his respect sometimes because yeah. people yeah. nobody gives it to him. But man, that's awful. <laughs> what the <laughs> hell does that mean? Come like, on. How you learn about loyalty when you're getting your <laughs> ass kicked? Like Also, he has his own family. Who's more loyal than Bray Wyatt? <laughs> 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 he put his whole family on. So I don't know. It's just the match, it was just okay. The fans weren't interested. At all, they didn't buy into it. The, the it was story a shame didn't make. I mean, like it made sense right. on the surface, but it's told terribly. Given just, Cena yeah. a steel chair, so he could hit him with it. Like, what's that going to prove? How are you going to be a better? How are you going to be in Cena's head when he kills you with a steel chair? Just because <laughs> he didn't over, or just because he um, couldn't overcome the hate and he he fell to it, like. Man, you're gonna be dead. Like <laughs> you get in his head by having him knock your head off. <laughs> yeah, like with a steel chair. I just the, the storytelling in wrestling is just too. It doesn't make sense in the wrestling look, realm. The, look, the best part was Cena's face trembling. Like, oh, God. <laughs> what the hell was it's that? The worst. <laughs> look, Cena does a lot of. He's getting into a lot of movies now. He's in a lot of commercials now too, right? He's doing a lot of a lot of voiceovers and commercials, and you see him in commercials, and he's going to do a couple. Uh, I think it's, he's in the Suicide Squad or something like that coming up. Yeah, I don't think the director of those movies will be like, yeah, shake your face like just angrily, like ah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> if the, if any director ever saw him do that, they'd be like, you know what? We hired him. No, he got to go. Like he got to go. We can't have this guy on our set no more. We can't do it. <laughs> he got to go. What acting school did you go to? WWE. Right. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> You're fired. Like no, no, no. So, <laughs> but Cena wins because uh, that's what Cena does. Uh, that's the thing. He's had better matches even before this. He's had better matches. He's had better matches after this, for for damn sure. Mm-hmm. This was just a big old bowl of okay. Like, if it was alphabet soup, it'd only be two letters. It'd be O and K. Like, that's it. Because <laughs> that's what this was. It's like, ah, it's all right. And that's it. Do you notice who he hugged after the match? He hugged his father, John Cena Sr., mm-hmm. and The Rock's mother. He did. I forget her name. I'm sorry. Rock's mom. I should remember her name. <laughs> Mrs. Johnson. Uh, it might be my via, actually. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Damn. Uh, let me. Let, I'm gonna look it up because I don't want to disrespect. 
<laughs> and anyway, Ada, Ada Johnson. So you're right, it was Johnson. So yeah, see, there you go. So <sighs> just a big old bowl of okay. Eh. You know, after, by the way, as soon as he hugs Rock's mom and they cut to the announcers, you uh, peep Jerry Lawler taking a try to take a sip of Mountain Dew, and off yeah, camera, but he was clearly on camera. <laughs> Caught his ass. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, what are you like, doing?" Uh, uh, oh, hey, Mountain Dew here. We got Mountain Dew to sponsor. That's what I'm saying. Like, why, why are you trying to hide that? Like, it's a sponsor. <laughs> Wouldn't you want to? Uh, and they all had bottles of Mountain Dew lined up. They did. So I figured like that was a sponsorship spot, but it wasn't. It don't matter. But That's don't the thing. Matter. Like, not all of them were full, so I'm sure you know some of them took a sip here and there. And they, they, they all, had them all facing label out. I know toward hey, the camera, I get it. which maybe that was like a subtle ad. It's like, all right, we're not going to do an actual spot, but like, make sure when the bottles are sitting on the table, make sure the labels are out so well, Mountain Dew can get their impressions. Yeah, that's what they do in the press conference. Because even like, whatnot. right, same Sports. thing with like we, we we do our segments on you know when we were doing our segments or our video segments in the studio with the Eagles, we would have like a Microsoft Surface sitting on the desk. Yeah. Nobody's using the Microsoft Surface, <laughs> <laughs> so breaking. Let's let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Nobody's oh, using no. those Microsoft Surfaces on the desk, <laughs> but <laughs> they are a sponsor. So they sit there, and you can see they're not even sponsoring this segment. <laughs> they just there. <laughs> They're a league sponsor, so the the surface is just sitting there, logo out. But we're not using those surfaces. I'm sorry. So, wow. So yeah, there you go, Bob. But, hey, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's crazy. But moving on to the WWE Hall of Fame, which I talked about earlier. Uh, pretty good class, like I said. Paul Bearer also went in. I forgot to mention him earlier. And they bring them all out, bring all the inductees out. Minus Paul Berry, again, who passed away the year before, but they brought his sons out uh, to receive the honor in his uh, in his honor, I guess, right? Um, but we get everybody, and the Ultimate Warrior comes out last with his music, and he's waving to the fans. And I was like, damn, he died two days later. Mm-hmm. Did he look kind of sickly in this night? I, at the time, no way of telling. He's like, he's all just a little bit older. But you look back, it's like, maybe he was? I don't know. But it's wild that he just died two days later. It, it's it's weird because people on Twitter have been comparing the way Shane McMahon's looked on TV the last few weeks to Ooh. the way Ultimate Warriors looked. And I'm like, I don't see it. But I, I don't mean, see it with the war. Like, it's a weird thing to you know speculate about. And obviously it that is. promo on Raw didn't <laughs> do Shane any favors where I guess he was it was on purpose, uh his stammering and uh wasting time and whatnot. It was just a very weird promo, but yeah, I, I mean I I guess I'm a bad like <sighs> detail seer when it comes to this stuff i don't know how else to say it like you're not very detail oriented when it comes to the looks he he didn't look sickly to me here he ultimate warrior didn't look like you know anything was wrong with him i i mean maybe the way he walked but like a lot of (laughs) legends walk in a weird way now because that's what their body's been through but right you know the kern angle walks weird but you know it's just 
know what it is. And so I, I didn't really pay much attention to uh, how he looked in the this night or the next night on Raw when he made a speech. Another okay. speech. <laughs> yeah. So that was just crazy to think about. Even to this day, I remember being out at home <clears throat> and it was, man, he died. I think it was the day after, right? I think it was uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday. And I remember sitting, I was at home, like, about to go to sleep. And then I th- saw a tweet or something come through. And I was like, what? He what? And I was like, damn. Just, just you know saw him. Like, you know what? I might have found out Wednesday because I probably got an alert on my phone. I was like, wait, what? But it was, when it I was late up. Tuesday. So It was late on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I went to bed that. early because of work. And I would wake up at like 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., and I saw the the notification, and I was like, what the frick? <laughs> you know, like. Right. I didn't know. I was like, oh, was he in an accident? You know, because right. you know, I didn't realize it was like, uh, he didn't look sickly to me. And so my first thought was, wow, a tragedy happened. Like, is his family okay? Because I, know he, I yeah. knew he was traveling with his family. So. Yeah, that's, that's a tragic situation. You imagine, you know. Your family and he got he had little girls and his wife obviously and they're with him and it's like the great moment of him being inducted to the Hall of Fame, kind of starting anew with WWE and then just like that, that's it. And it's just like damn, like now what? So I'm sure that was that was a a rough time yeah. uh, for the family, but um yeah, it was just it's just eerie. It's eerie to watch now in hindsight, knowing. This man died yeah. two days later after yeah. this. Like, it's just, it's like literally here today and gone tomorrow. And that's unfortunate. But And it's, it, it's so random, but not so random because he had just, you know, buried that hatchet that him and WWE held on, and Vince yeah. McMahon held on for so long. And it's like, damn, like that, it's crazy. Right. Right. But now we got to make an awkward transition. To The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about here. Good match. Two stars. (laughs) First, let's let's kind of rewind. (laughs) (laughs) Let's rewind back to like 2011 or whatever it was when Brock lost a UFC fight and The Undertaker was in the crowd. And Brock walks by. He's like, hey, you want to do it? And Brock doesn't really say anything. And goes on about his business. And everybody's like, whoa, Brock versus Undertaker. When is that going to happen? A couple of years go by. And even if even though Brock was in the company for a couple of years by this point, it didn't happen until 2014. When the Undertaker is now 21-0 at WrestleMania. And Brock is like, what? 3-2 and two? <laughs> like in his matches in WWE. He's definitely lost to Cena and Triple H. Uh, he beat Triple H. He beat CM Punk. I, I don't know who else he beat. He's probably like two and two or something like that, right? So he's not really yeah. at the top of his game as far as like you know, uh, not only strong power, but I guess strong power and like just uh, heat. You know, they hadn't built him up properly at all. So we're going into this match, and it's like, okay, well, if the Undertaker lost to CM, beat CM Punk last year. He's definitely being Brock because Brock doesn't need to win, <laughs> right? Because who if they, for one if they're going to end the streak, 
It's going to happen because somebody who needs it. That's going to propel them up the ladder. You know what I'm saying? So I don't think anyone in their right minds had Brock Lesnar winning this match. Then I watched this video package back for this podcast. For one, whoever did the voiceover, I thought was great for this one. I don't know who that was, but I thought it was great. But (laughs) maybe, maybe it was. But at one point in the video package, see, Paul Hammond says no one would ever forget what Brock Lesnar is about to do. And that was like a harbinger for things to come because he was right. <laughs> like, no one would forget what he was about to do. Uh, <laughs> it's wild. So, right? It, it, it's crazy what we know about this or what, you know, were is reported about this, about how. Hey, Heyman and Lesnar and Undertaker and Vince. I don't, I'm not even sure Heyman was in on it, but how close to the vest they kept everything. And it, for me, I could I could totally buy that Heyman didn't know what was like the finish. Um, That'd be wild if he didn't know. It, He's a part of the I match. Agree. I agree, but I would I would buy it just because Vince is weird, you know, and him in that promo like. He's so good at selling, you know, that. So it is kind of crazy to look back and, like, hear him say that in that package. N- knowing, like, what what was going to happen. But wondering, like, if he was just doing it to obviously sell, the, sell it. And is he just doing it to, I don't know. He, he didn't seem like that the previous year with CM Punk. I'll say that. So, yeah. Very, very quick as n- interesting. Yeah. You know what else is interesting that I found? Was that Eat, Sleep, Conquer, Repeat shirt that Brock wore. Yeah. Which they were hoping to make, sell a lot of. And I'm sure they sold a bunch. But, like, the next year, they started Suplex City. Yeah. And that was a much bigger deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. they sold a lot of those shirts. Because they were customizing for the specific city they were in and stuff like that. And it was just a cool saying and then they built the video game promo around suplex city it was pretty good so yeah. also what brock wore on this night was that damn hat again <laughs> don't know why he wore it it looked badass look stupid at least ah. in, in the year before it was like cold outside oh, so, all right i can you might have worn a hat but he's indoors why are you wearing a hat for it's fine it didn't make any sense it looks badass know. it's a good look on him I mean, he looks badass wearing a, a, a banana suit. It's Brock yeah, Lesnar. He, he's got a big-ass head, and it looks even better. Okay. I take your word for it, I guess. <laughs> then, of course, we get another elaborate Undertaker entrance where we have <laughs> all the coffins lined up of all his fallen opponents over the years of WrestleMania, all 21 of them, even two for Shawn Michaels, two for Triple H. Uh... Not the greatest optics, though, for somebody like Big Boss Man, who had passed away 10 years prior. Yeah. Or Jimmy Snooker, now in hindsight, you know, he wasn't yeah, that was fine. dead yet, but <laughs> he would die a couple years later. I mean, eh, I guess I didn't, I didn't even, like, think of it in, in that, those terms. It was just, hey, the Undertaker's opponents over the years. <laughs> yeah. Still, I thought about it, but... <laughs> Well, the last yeah, I'm coffin, sure you're not the only one, yeah. The last coffin was had number 22 on it. 
mm. had Brock Lesnar's name on it because mm. he was the next victim, you know, or so we thought. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I loved when he started walking. Like he looked at it and then started walking, and then looked back at it, and it got set on fire. Whoa! The pyro set ablaze. <laughs> set ablaze. Take notes, AEW. <laughs> Speaking of AEW, we're recording this on a Thursday night, and Impractical Jokers just came on, and Sal Volcano is wearing an AEW shirt. How about that? I know they're wrestling fans, and they've had, you know, Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray on, you know, the show at certain times, but Sal Volcano rocking an AEW shirt. It's, it's cool to see, you know, my one of my favorite shows. So, Sal Volcano has always got, like, wrestling shirts on. Yeah. Yep. For my. Practical Jokers. And Practical like, Jokers is a funny ass show, by the yeah, way. But yeah. he's definitely the one of the four that I've noticed if always rocking. I think he saw, saw him wearing a Bullet Club shirt one time or something like that. He's yeah. always rocking uh, wrestling stuff. Big yeah, big wrestling cool. fan. It's cool. So uh, back to this Undertaker Brock Lesnar match. I was going to say, it's a shame that the streak ended. Because no one remembers the Undertaker's gear from this night. It's actually pretty dope uh, when you look back at it. It's like you really didn't wear like that that combination with the hat with the like the, the I don't know what you call it stones or jewels or whatever was in it. It was actually pretty dope. I, was like, oh. yeah, I didn't notice, but I did. So <laughs> no one cares again because <laughs> of what happened at the end of this night. <laughs> Something I noticed. Well, but yeah. um, no, I noticed. This was the first Mania appearance for me personally that I thought he he didn't look too good. And this was before he suffered a a concussion during the match. I I didn't think he he looked too good. I think his body was looking kind of frail to me. I don't know. I don't know if it was just me or if you noticed a little something. Uh, Maybe a little something, something. But if for those that don't know, the story of this match is that The Undertaker got concussed pretty badly Mm. pretty early on. Um, don't still. I watch this match. And I'm looking for like maybe it happened there, maybe it happened here, but couldn't really tell when it happened. But I it apparently happened. <laughs> well, apparently it happened early on, and the match as a result was very slow and just not up to par of what the Undertaker is usually putting out at WrestleMania. Yeah, remember this is the year after the two years prior. Undertaker had the best match of the show with Triple H and CM Punk. And if you go back to 2009, we're talking like a five-year run with two with Shawn Michaels, two with Triple H, and the one with CM Punk where the best matches on the show. The first one with Shawn Michaels, in my opinion, is still the best WrestleMania match of all time. So we have a standard as, as fans of what The Undertaker is capable of. And we didn't get it on this night, but it seemed like mainly because The Undertaker was in rough shape from that concussion. Well, even before that, I just think he wasn't in great shape uh, body-wise. I don't know. He, he just looked thinner to me. Like, maybe he didn't, uh, you know, get the weights as much as he used to in previous years, which, you know, it happens. Like, you get older and you're, it, it's whatever. I think, and if you want to go back and watch it, go back and watch it. You don't have to. Uh, listeners, you don't have to. But they were on the outside, and I think Taker went for a kick or Brock, like, got his foot and he flipped him and Undertaker mm-hmm. landed 
on the on his back on the mat outside. But I think maybe like he also you don't get a great shot of it, but maybe he also hit his head because right after that he kind of turns over to the side and he's you could tell like he's kind of struggling like he's like breathing heavy trying to get like I guess air. Um, but I mean it could just be you know the product of his athleticism at that point maybe he you know it wasn't in great shape but i don't know i feel like that's that's the one spot that sticks out to me to where i kind of see the match change and Mm -hmm. it's clear that brock's now like trying to call everything where in the very very beginning you know it was taker that was clearly moving around a little bit um quicker you know and after that spot on the outside, I just I kind of felt like it was a different type of match. So I'm not going to conf- – obviously, I don't know. Nobody knows I know, unless they confirm it themselves, if Undertaker confirms it himself. And I don't know that he's done that yet. But Well, he doesn't uh, even remember the match. Yeah, so I don't exactly. know if he can so confirm it. <laughs> exactly. You know, he's on record as saying his last memory of that night was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon when he was talking to his wife yeah. in the locker room. So, Which is scary. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He didn't even know where he was when he woke up in the hospital, so didn't know what city he was in, so definitely scary stuff, but yeah, if I had to, like, you know, go back uh, go back and watch that match, that's where I would kind of at least guess that's where it happened. Uh, you, you mentioned that Lesnar had to call spots. He definitely called one audibly. We can hear him call one after he hit his first F5, because <laughs> the Undertaker could barely sit up. Yeah. And it didn't look like he was selling. It looked like he could just Mm-mm. just couldn't really move that much. Right. And Lesnar walks over to him. You can hear him go, Hell's Gate. <laughs> and the Undertaker was somehow aware enough to get him in it, to lock him in that submission. Yeah. He... Uh, <sighs> yeah. But you can hear, like I said, Lesnar's kind of like walking. He's kind of like checking Undertaker out. Like It's not like it was like a smooth transition to the Hell's Gate. He was mm-hmm. just kind of bouncing around, looking around. And I, I don't know if he noticed Undertaker was hurt or what. He was just like, Hell's Gate. Mm-hmm. And Undertaker got him in it. But then, you know, Lesnar breaks the submission twice. And one time I thought maybe it could have happened was when, when where Undertaker probably could have been concussed or maybe got concussed a second time even was yeah, when he broke it the possible, second yeah. time when Lesnar, you know, dropped him on the mat, you know, with his arm or whatever. And Undertaker's head hit the, hit the mat, the back of his head hit the mat. You know, I don't know if he concussed from that or whatever, whatever, but it didn't look good. You know, nah, he could have had that. he could have had more than one concussion, absolutely, in this match. You know, so right. so eventually, I mean, this was like I said, sl- slow to a crawl. Undertaker being in bad shape definitely changed the whole complexion of the match. Uh, eventually, Brock hits two more F fives. So in that third F five, when Brock has him up. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, WWE, they're just out here bearing the F5 because, you know, four well Undertaker's <laughs> going to kick out of this because he's definitely going to kick out. Oh, that's, so, like, not, that's he's going to kick out of three F5s. Like, they're just killing the F5. Like, I'm, I can't great. believe it. <laughs> you know? And then Brock, Brock Lesnar goes over for the pin and the referee starts counting. And I, it's funny, I went back and watched, like, reaction videos to this, and everybody pretty much has the same reaction. It's when you see the count, you're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then you, even you watch the match, no one is standing up <laughs> when Brock is covering The Undertaker. 
like again, you watch these classic matches the Undertaker's had over the years. Some of these near falls, you think it's over. Like when Shawn Michaels hit the super kick and followed it up with the pedigree at WrestleMania 28, I think 95% of the people in the stadium was like, it's over. <laughs> and they were standing up, like waiting to see what happened. When Brock hit that third at five, you look in that lower bowl and on the TV camera side, the people who were on the you know, who are on the hard camera, none of those people are standing up. <laughs> they're not even like remotely paying attention to this. It's like no. whatever. Yeah, they're probably like on their phones and whatnot. <laughs> right. Undertaker's gonna kick out. We've been here before. We've seen been here, done that. We've seen this episode before. Let's get on with it. And then that hand came down for two and then three. <laughs> like and everybody in that lower bowl in that section stood up at the same time like whoa wait a second <laughs> and the wrestling world stood still yeah it really did for i don't know how long but it's incredible to watch back in hindsight because no one saw it coming now when I don't know where to start with this because there's so much to cover. It's so much ground to cover because WWE goes straight to like reaction shots. You see Paul Hammond, like, oh my God, he did it. But yeah. all the fans, they got their hands on their heads. You got the one black guy, I can't remember his name on the top of my head. His glasses are crooked. His face, he's breathing heavily. He can't believe what he saw. Fans are like about to cry. People are like, just can't believe what they just saw. Like, it was just astonishing. Right, you got to understand. If if we got a non wrestling fan listening to this, I mean, welcome. <laughs> but wrestling fans is are so hard to yeah, try to surprise. They're like hunting fans looking for uh, podcasts that are right. Listening. Right, they found us. Straight shooters. I would listen to those guys. But wrestling fans are super hard to surprise. We even go as far as to try to guess the surprises. This is how they're going to surprise us. Think about how crazy that is. We try to predict how the company or the promotion is going to surprise us. It happens every year at the World Rumble. And they complain when we're wrong. Exactly. (laughs) Also entitled to surprises. We want to be surprised. So to get a genuinely surprising reaction, to get genuine shock and awe from wrestling fans... The only way to get it is by ending the streak. It'll never happen again. Probably not this way. Right? So I know what my perspective from being in the arena, from being in the stadium. What was your perspective watching this on TV as it happened? Uh, uh, Shocked. Like I was glued to the TV. Um, We were kind of quiet, you know. I kept telling my friend, Mike, I was like, there's no way... Lesnar's gonna win, like whatever. I, I kind of, I almost wasn't paying attention to that final pin. I'll tell you the truth. I mean, I was watching it, but I'm waiting for the kick out, and then when it didn't come, you know, my jaw drops, and I'm just like watching. And I think my friend just went like, "Holy!" Sh-. <laughs> and we were just watching the reactions. So thankfully, you know, my dad was just watching. He doesn't make a peep with this stuff. Like he just watches and. <laughs> He'll, you know, talk if I ask him a question or whatever. But, yeah, we were just watching the TV. And, you know, we I, I was shocked, but 
then we were like listening to Paul Heyman, like, oh my God, <laughs> like you did it, <laughs> like all this stuff and thinking that Lesnar was going to say something maybe, uh, waiting for The Undertaker to get up. So we were, yeah, we were just kind of glued to the TV after that three count. And I, my first reaction, I don't even remember if I went right to Twitter because I was like so shocked and I was stared at that. I was like, are they going to restart the match somehow? Like what? I, I almost didn't believe that they were ending the streak because it's pro wrestling. I'm conditioned to when something like that happens that's so newsworthy, there's always like a catch. You know, it's a dusty finish or something like that. So I was almost like waiting for a restart of the match or reversing the decision or somehow, some way. And I'm I'm trying to go uh. through my head and I'm like but how would they do that? Like, not, there was nothing illegal happening, no shen- no shenanigans. Like, I'm, I'm like, man, he just really beat him. And I didn't foresee what they were going to do with Brock, you know, the rest of the year. But as a launching point, that's a pretty damn good thing. So, or a pretty damn, like, impressive thing that he started, you know, his 2014 run with. So, yeah, my, my first reaction and really my reaction after that, I was kind of like, wow, well, I just witnessed history. I'm not going to crap all over it because, you know, The Undertaker's probably done. He probably retired, you know. Like, I, I've i seen <laughs> the best of his career, and it's great. Uh, it's time for him to go. And, okay. Psych. So, so Lesnar, like, let's go. Let's do this. I wasn't – if I was there in the arena, I probably would have had a different perspective just because being there is so much different than watching it on TV. Uh, something like this happening. Um but I don't think I would like completely hate it. I wouldn't cry. I wouldn't like do any of that stuff. I would just be like, "Holy crap, they really did it!" <laughs> so, yeah. being in the stadium, let me just say for the record, I don't think the, sh- the streak should have ended on this night or the or the way that it did. But I will say, I was glad that I was there to see it <laughs> because. It was something that I've never experienced before in my life and in, in, in any endeavor, sports, wrestling, nothing. I've never been in a, a venue with 70,000 stunned people, like just absolutely stunned. When the three count happened, everybody, the place, like you said, just it just fell silent. It was just like, what? Like when they say, "Oh, it's a stunned silence, a hush over the fans." No, that this was legit when when this when this happened, okay. And it was just like I remember thinking, like when it first happened, I'm like, "Well, there has to be some sort of mistake." Like <laughs> the ref screwed up, <laughs> right? Something happened. Like he wasn't he counted through when he wasn't supposed to, or are they going to like have like a muddled finish where it's like a disputed finish or something like that? Like. And they have to settle this another time. Like how? How? What? This can't be it. Because I don't know if I was even looking at the ring or the screens. I don't know what I was even remember looking at. Because I didn't think it was over, just like everybody else. So I don't. I can't really blame the people who were sitting down in the lower level, not standing up. Because no one was. No one was like, you know, when that F five hit, it wasn't like the the the, the arena was at a fever pitch and everybody's like, oh my god, this is it. No. So. <laughs> We're sitting there. Everybody's like in stunned silence. 
and then you hear i don't know if you can hear it on the broadcast but you hear this like secondary like oh that's when they threw up the 21 and one graphic on the screens and people saw that and it was like they just watched a family member get disemboweled right in front of them <laughs> like <laughs> like you would have thought like they saw like somebody just get murdered right in front of them the way they reacted it was like oh my god no like people couldn't believe what they were seeing and it was but it was real the streak was over and you can never get it back people looked at that graphic like it was in horror it was like they might as well have saw they their their loved one get beat up right in front of them like people were sad bro it was like a hush fell over the it was like we were at a funeral it was like rip seeing randy in the hospital pretty much bro i've never seen anything like it we'll probably never see anything like it ever again all of these skeptical wrestling fans who are surprised by nothing were surprised (laughs) on this night they were so but here's my thing though about this I know we talked about it like when we talked about Starcade 98 when Goldberg, you know, history ended. And it was like, all right, was it the right time? Who should have ended it if it was going to end, you know, something like that. But I think most people believe that. I remember at the time thinking like, oh, well, I could buy it ending or whatever. But I've changed my position over the years. The streak either should have never ended. And it just he's retired with it intact. Or it goes to somebody who could have used that rub, so to speak. Right? And I think everybody deemed that Brock Lesnar is not one of those people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, because it really, in hindsight, it really hurt. I think it hurt WrestleMania to a certain extent. I think it hurt Undertaker to a certain extent. Because this is what everybody looked forward to every single year. It was like the one certainty that we could all count on. We could all count on the streak. It's death, taxes, and the streak. <laughs> it was reliable. Every year, people go to WrestleMania. They go to the hangout with other wrestling fans. They go to see the pomp and circumstance of the show. And they went to see the streak. That was like in that order. That's what people wanted to see. It's what people wanted to do. You can count on that. And it was just ripped away from everybody in an instant <laughs> to somebody who I don't think anyone deemed to be worthy. It was like a real, it was like a gut punch. Like I said, it shouldn't have ended, at least not in the way that it did. It was, it should have been the holy grail that someone chased and they climbed the ultimate mountain to get it. Instead, it was just another feather and a cap full of feathers <laughs> worn by Brock Lesnar. And it shouldn't have been that way. It shouldn't have felt that way. When the, if the streak was going to end, it should have been like this ah, moment. And it didn't feel that way with Brock. That, I think that was the biggest missed opportunity of it. it. Was it believable that Brock would beat The Undertaker? Of course, it's believable that Brock would be anyone. Right? But he didn't need the end streak to become the monster he became after that. 
Because he already had the credibility of someone that could destroy anyone in his path. It was WWE's fault for making anyone think otherwise. You know what I'm saying? He didn't need the streak to be all of a sudden an unstoppable force in WWE. He really didn't. He's Brock Lesnar. UFC heavyweight JBL ran down his credentials plenty during the show. <laughs> UFC heavyweight champion, SWA heavyweight champion, WWE champion. <laughs> he was a monster. You look at this guy like, yeah, he could kill everybody. The streak was not necessary for Brock to all of a sudden turn into the suplex machine he became in 2014. So I think you forfeit the creativity of doing another streak again if you never beat the streak. You can't replicate it, it though. It can happen. I it can, it, not it anytime soon. Again. Hey, WWE's forever, man. We're man. not going to be around in a hundred years where there might be another streak going. But there's still <laughs> video and footage of this happening. Right. And we all so, know this is a work, so you can't work it. I don't know how you can replicate there, the streak. There can be another superstar that comes along in 20, 30, 40 years that has a streak at WrestleMania, an undefeated streak, that eventually retires with an undefeated streak for the first time ever. You still uh-huh. hold that the first time ever, nobody's undefeated at WrestleMania. So... Yes, The Undertaker was a special character, but if you have him retire with like a perfect WrestleMania streak, then you kind of can't do that anymore. And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying like, I'm waiting for that to happen when it should happen soon, but you're also backing yourself into a corner if you do make The Undertaker retire with an undefeated streak because in in pro wrestling that's like the creative you can do a lot of things creatively creatively with that for other people than just the undertaker now it's fresh in our minds it's 2021 it's only seven years removed from that we're not going to see that anytime soon i would imagine like it's not like we're going to see dominic mysterio start having (laughs) a wrestlemania streak start this year at 19, 20 years old, however old he is at this point. But I mean, he's probably older than that. But, yeah, I just – I don't feel as strongly as you do about this. And, you know, we, we do a good job on this podcast about, like, explaining our feelings towards certain things, and you did a great job there. But I think this is something that we're just never going to, like, agree on. I we'll guess. agree to disagree about it just because – I think the best moment to use that shock factor was when no one expected it. That's why the anticipation of it is it's exciting, I'm sure. But like when you know it's gonna happen is a really like a surprise or really like to me it's not. If you weren't gonna beat The Undertaker with Randy Orton in two thousand what was it, five, mm-hmm. then I mean who who around now would it still had plenty that. of plenty of legs left in 2005. Though. I think Bray Wyatt would have been the guy in this era that would have benefited the most from that. But obviously, by that point, you know, look, <laughs> it could have been CM Punk, 
Uh, it could have been. It could have been Bray Wyatt. CM Punk was an old dude. I, I don't. Does it, <laughs> he? He could still could have used the, the the clout of ending the streak. All it would have been good for is his mic skills and like his promo. All right. Then that, like, wouldn't done anything it. for him. Like he was already at the top though for over a year. That's fair enough. But even though he's at the top, he wasn't even in main events of pay per views. Uh, yeah, he I had mean, main event at WrestleMania. That's true, but yet. I don't. I don't think that necessarily would have made him in the main event either. If he beat the Undertaker, mm. it's just how they viewed him. It better. <laughs> what I, the hell? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like if Paul Heyman couldn't, like, persuade Vince to put Punk in the main event every month, <laughs> like who? It was never going to happen. Mm. I'm just saying. I'll, I'll I'll leave Punk in there. I'll give you Bray Wyatt. Hell, I'll give you Roman Reigns as three people that came along eventually that could have ended it. Instead, it was Brock Lesnar. Which again, it's Brock Lesnar. He's a badass, and that's perfect. I understand it, but yeah. he didn't. Roman. He, his credibility was already intact. It's already known. It was like I said, it was WWE's fault for mess for even remotely having people question it. His credibility. But there's no shock factor without that. I guess, man. If we, Do you need the shock factor? I mean, I, I honestly it would have been pretty shocking if CM Punk did it the year before. I thought, well, see, I thought the Randy Orton was going to beat him at 21. I was very surprised that he didn't. And then once they started doing the streak like every single year, I was like, okay, well, they're never going to end it. So it could have been, like, I didn't think I was going to watch CM Punk beat The Undertaker at MetLife Stadium. I just, I didn't. Even though, and even with them using like Paul Bearer as part of the storyline, like in my head, I'm like, ah, there's no way. Like in my heart, I wanted to see it happen because it'd been a great moment to be a part of, especially we were there live. But I think in my heart, I was just like, ah, he's never going to lose. So when he finally did lose, it legitimately surprised me in a way that really nothing has else has surprised me since. And up to that point, I'm not sure if I had been surprised. No. In the era where I know what's happening, like I know it's predetermined, I know decisions are being made. I'm not a kid that I'm surprised by certain things. It's a different type of surprise. So this was like, if you could surprise me as somebody who knows, like, or kind of listens to what goes on inside and outside, like in the back, behind the scenes, then I think you've done a great job. I don't know. Look. I would have been perfectly fine too if it just never ended. Some things can just be pristine. They can just be that holy grail that we all look at and be like, man, that's incredible feat that will rarely or ever be topped. You look it at it would have been nice to have that in our lifetime because right, you know, you look at Will, Will Chamberlain's a hundred point game. Yeah, it's always something we can look at and be like, wow, you know, that's something that's just it'll never be topped. Or I mean, the closest anybody's come was eighty one. That's still 19 points off. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know uh, Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak, 56 games. Sure, it ended at some point, but it's, it's I guess you could say the same thing about Undertaker's streak. It ended, and no one will come close to it, more than likely. But, like, 17 and no Dolphins, you know, that, <laughs> that perfection, and no one could ever surpass that unless you get, you know, 19 wins. Obviously, you can surpass the number of wins, but the winning percentage, you can never surpass it. Yeah. It's just some things I like those holy grails that even though you, you, even if he retired, you can never touch it. You can never beat it. 
it's all right, man. The thing is, and things the thing about the the difference between this and like Goldberg streak was that this was something people, like I said, they counted on every year. You can see it in their faces when it ended. It was like people's wor- world shattered. This was the one certainty we could always count on, and it was just gone, man. <laughs> that that sucked. That really sucked. I don't think wrestling fans necessarily need that security blanket. It was nice to have it in hindsight. Mm. I think it was nice to have it. It was nice to know that we were going to see the Undertaker go back and give it a give it a whirl and defend that streak. Y'all were getting and Daniel Bryan as champion, so <laughs> that's yeah, a trade off. Like, <laughs> but like, it was still nice to have that, and and I think it hurt the Undertaker. Like I said last week, in that when he lost that streak, I think some of his drawing power went down with the fans. So yeah, there's been some moments where the Undertaker come back and it's like, oh, that's pretty dope. But for the most part. Since the streak, outside of his matches, let's say with Brock after the streak, he had the Hell in a Cell match with Brock later in, in, in 2015, I should yeah. say, not later in 2014, yeah. in 2015. He had the SummerSlam match, and he had the Hell in a Cell match, I think the next month or two months later or whatever it was. After that, when was the time when you saw Undertaker was like, I can't wait to see that match? Not his matches with Goldberg. Not his match. Maybe with the one with I thought that one with AJ would have been dope if it was like under normal circumstances. The Boneyard match was pretty cool too, but I was kind of looking forward to AJ. But Shane McMahon, nope. Bray Wyatt, nope. Because <laughs> uh, the Roman Reigns one, eh, not really. And that could have been significant if he actually stayed retired. He didn't. Well, I'll put so it to I'm you like, like this. I heard I was kind of done with it. I forget what I just watched recently, um, but or what I listened to. Man, I wish I made a note of it, but I heard it, and it, and it made sense to me that obviously it was Vince McMahon's call, mm-hmm. but he legitimately thought this was The Undertaker's last WrestleMania. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Even Vince was like, this is it. <laughs> like, I, I think, yes, the door's always going to be open, but I... I and I, oh man, I wish I remember where I heard that. Um, well, I, if, if that if that's true, if Vince thought it was it, I'm not. I don't totally blame him for ending it. Right, and it was his call. Like, right, obviously it's his call. T- Taker didn't you know put up a fight. You know that was it. Um, right. I don't blame him for ending it. Then it's just who do you do it with. I mean, you. I guess he had to get that Brock match in. I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean that's. That's the gripe that I can understand, that if he really thought that one coming up, you know, it's not like he just thought it the day of, you know, it's obvious, you know, coming up to it. All right, if this is your last one, who do we put you with? And that I can see as being, you know, the issue that fans have. But even with Brock, everyone's like, oh, well, Undertaker's not losing to him at WrestleMania. And it happens. So... It's still the shock factor to me, and the fact that if Vince very much truly believed this was the Undertaker's last WrestleMania, then you know you do the job on the way out. <laughs> you know that it was Vince's decision, and I will try to. And I just it was like over the weekend I watched something or read something, and now I'm trying to remember what it was. But if I find it, I'll uh, I'll like put it on our feed or something like that to be like, see, I'm not just making it up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, either way, after the match and after the stunned silence, 
Undertaker sits up, you know, finally sits up after all this time. He gets a bunch of applause and a bunch of chants. It took him a while to get to his feet, but he got to his feet and he slowly walked backstage. But this wasn't over for the Undertaker because he apparently collapsed backstage and was immediately rushed to a hospital or a local medical facility. If you, you know, WWE. Can you imagine if he never got back there? That'd like, have been whoa. That'd have been scary. That would have it's, been like the worst thing that we would have seen. Like right. just collapsed like on the ramp or something like that, and. Yeah, people come out, and uh, so many people would think it's a work too, which is a shame—the shame of it all. I didn't realize how serious it was until like weeks later. You know, we had heard, you know, the next day stuff that went on backstage, like oh, the Undertaker got sent to the hospital. And I think it was like later on that we—it was reported that he actually collapsed and was taken by ambulance and everything. And that Vince yeah. went with him and left the show. And it's like right. whoa, like, which is whoa. wild. <laughs> Yeah. It's like a head coach leaving in the middle of a Super Bowl. Yeah, right. When you know, he's calling Vince is like that. Like Vince is calling the plays essentially. He's got the headset on like a head yeah. coach would. And it's like a, he's in in the middle of the biggest show and the biggest game or event. He leaves like that. That'd be wild. And it was confirmed by the Undertaker himself. So a lot of I was like, wait, is that like? Can I really believe that? But no, he it actually happened. It actually happened, and. Like you said, Undertaker and probably Vince thought Undertaker should have retired right then and there. It should have been in the end. But he got the itch. Going into the match, he didn't look that great. I'm still saying, like, mm-hmm. he wasn't as muscular as he was before. So to me, I was like, okay, looking back, I, his body wasn't in great shape. This is probably it for him. Yeah, it should have been it. But I'm sure Undertaker was like, I can't go out like that. Right, exactly, yeah. And he came not back. Remembering, not remembering his last match. That's right. not going to. But then. Out. Yeah, he had to come back to redeem himself, and he kind of did with the Bray Wyatt match. But then he gets that feeling like, "Ooh, I could probably got a, I probably got another couple matches in me," <laughs> you know. And then began that vicious cycle. Yeah. You know, because he, he would come back, I'm like, "I got a couple more matches in me," but that match wouldn't be quite to his liking. You know, it wasn't it wasn't enough for the <laughs> ending. And then that vicious cycle would begin when he would get hurt, get a surgery, come back. That can't be the end because I don't want to go out like that. So I got to come back. Oh, I feel good now. I can have a couple more matches. Then he gets hurt and he goes to surgery and comes back. I can't go out like that. Got to come back and wrestle. Oh, I feel good again. You know, <laughs> like, and I can do it again. <laughs> and he just kept doing it over and over and over again. It didn't really end until 20, 2020 with the Boneyard. And we all know this now because of the whole Last Ride documentary. But we pretty much saw it play out in reality. We all knew what was what was happening. It should have ended in 2014. It didn't end. All right, but 2017, what about that? That was a perfect time. Left his hat in the ring, and it was like a perfect yeah. storybook ending. Yeah. He put Roman Reigns over as the guy. It's his yard now. Boom. All right, perfect. No, because he was too banged up, and he didn't want to go out like that. So he just kept coming back over and over again. And his pride would always just get in the way of... And in the meantime, he was staying too long, which is what a lot of people always say they want to avoid. But the Undertaker ran right into it, <laughs> and here we are. So t- to this point, though, as we record this here on March eleventh, twenty twenty, the Undertaker 2021? has twenty twenty one. I'm sorry, <laughs> man, I don't want to go back one year, man. <laughs> Still feels like a continuation of twenty twenty sometimes, but we're in twenty twenty one. 
The Undertaker has remained retired. He has not come back. And it doesn't look like he's coming back for WrestleMania this year. No. Which I wouldn't be surprised though. He's like, man, I would love to have my last match be in front of fans. <laughs> he comes back again. Oh, man. I could see it. I could see it with The Undertaker, bro. We've seen him do it already. It's documented that he's been like, he's been prone to do this. I can't go out like that. But I'd love to have another match in front of the people. It could it could happen because this last match technically was not in front of people. And that's that's when you bring back CM Punk. <laughs> okay, Punk gets the win back. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Uh, moving on from that, that's a lot to talk about. A lot of ground to cover with that. I will get a quick promo for WrestleMania 31, which was in California the next year. I was also in attendance for that, and that is to date my last WrestleMania in person. So. Hopefully we can change that sometime in the near future. Uh, get back to another one, but then we move on to wow, not the main event, <laughs> but to the Vicky Guerrero Invitational for the Divas Championship, featuring the champion AJ Lee defending against Oksana. I man, I totally forgot about Oksana oh, until this. About her. And her most memorable thing was like pretty much destroying Naomi's eye socket for like a couple months and forcing Naomi to wear that eye patch. Uh, Alicia Fox, Brie Bella, Cameron, Eva Marie, Layla, Naomi, Natalia, Nikki Bella, Rosa Mendez, Summer Rae, and Tamina. Again, this is pre Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Bailey, and all the other. A lot of the dope women that came up eventually. Technically, it's pre-page. Pre-page. She didn't debut till the next night. I forgot about that. So, no page even. So, yeah. Even Maria's on the main roster already, too, which is just wild because of Total Divas. It's yeah. just crazy to think about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I thought, then they talked about as AJ Lee was making her entrance. Because, again, this is clearly just a way to get all the women on the show. Right? This was the first time the Divas Championship was ever defended at WrestleMania. Wow. What an absolute embarrassment. I mean, this title that you'd had around since like 2009. We're in 2014 and that title had never been defended at WrestleMania. What was the, what we are doing with this division? What we are doing with these women? That they can't even defend the championship at WrestleMania. What the hell were they doing with the women? And they didn't defend it the next year. <laughs> right? Because it, it was AJ Lee and Paige versus the, the Bella Twins, I believe. That was, was that the women's match. Year? I'm pretty sure that was the next year. Wasn't AJ Lee gone by then? No, she was still in WWE. Oh this like God, That was like her like her final days, but she was still there. She was still there for like a year after her husband quit, huh? Well, yep. I, I don't... Technically, I don't think they were married yet. Maybe they married that year. I think I think they got married in 2014. Yeah. After CM Punk quit, remember they talked about they fired him on his birthday, on his wedding day. Oh yeah, that's right. (laughs) Technically fired him. I think he uh, right. They sent him his letter. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy because I just I I keep forgetting AJ Lee was here in that time period. I'm looking at she, she was here for a little bit and then left, but. I'm looking at WrestleMania 31 right now, right? Man. And the match times. 
every match on the card, on the main card, even the pre-show only had, like all the two matches on the pre-show, the battle royal went 18 minutes, the tag team match went almost 10, 958. But on the main card, every match on the main card went more than 10 minutes, except one. Take a guess. Rollins, nope. Lesnar, and <laughs> AJ Liam Page defeating the Bella Twins in a smooth six minutes and forty-two seconds. Every other match on the main card went at least thirteen minutes. This was half. Embarrassing. WWE finally got the stuff together eventually. Really, the next year when they had the triple threat with. Charlotte, Becky, and uh, Sasha. Yeah. Brought back the women's title. Right. But woof. Woof. And this one, with like 14 people in the match, yeah. with one pinfall, woof. On top how, of that. How long was that? Six minutes, 48 seconds. Oh, my goodness. On top of that. They got the worst spot of all time. <laughs> there's no the worst. There's no worse spot in ever in wrestling history than being the match that follows the end of the streak. It will never. No one will ever have a worse spot in wrestling ever. Unless look, I'll take that back. Having to follow Owen Hart's death is probably the yeah. worst yeah. thing to do, right? <laughs> Uh, that was a real life thing, obviously. <laughs> when somebody passed away, and WWE was like, "Hey, uh, Steve Austin, Undertaker, you still got to wrestle." That's the worst still spot. Crazy. In, still crazy. Right. Still the worst spot in wrestling history was the match that followed Owen Hart's untimely and unfortunate death. The second worst was this. I feel bad for all these women involved because the fans did not give not a single damn about this they didn't care about it going into the night then after the streak is over come on i didn't care i was in the stadium didn't watch a second of this match i was too busy writing a story about the undertaker losing (laughs) right yeah i wrote a quick story for philly.com which i I did not plan on doing earlier because i didn't think he was gonna lose (laughs) i did not plan on writing a quick story but like I knew the headline of The Undertaker losing the streak at WrestleMania would get some, some clicks. Mm-hmm. I'll put some quick together, you know, get the SEO popping. And <laughs> I was right because the story did pretty well. But, like, again, the fans pretty much booted. They didn't care. It was just like they got the, wow, what a terrible spot to be put in. They might as well not even been on the show. I mean, they got paid. I'm sure they'd rather be on the show so they could say they were on the show. But, like, whew. At the end of the day, AJ Lee won by making Naomi tap out, and she was still the champion. So, there you go. Yeah. Rough. I mean, we can't say it enough how bad it was, WWE. Like, the how how insignificant they made the women's division was. Even in the next year. Like I said, every match on the show, on the main card, was at least 13 minutes the women's match got 640 whatever. Ronda Rousey probably had more in-ring time on WrestleMania 31 than <laughs> Paige, AJ Lee, and the Bella Twins. 
and she wasn't even a member of the roster yet. Embarrassing. Again, they've turned a corner and they've done some good things over the last, I guess, five years. And I would imagine they'll continue to do that. But it's kind of rough to watch some of these shows and be like, whoa, y'all didn't give a damn. Like, what what did y'all sign them for? So that's that. Yeah. And I don't think we have anything else to add on top of that. I, uh, I'm just glad it will be the last uh, WrestleMania, or uh, second to last WrestleMania, I should say. Well, we're getting closer to the you know women's revolution, and now we see them in multiple segments every week, main event, and TV shows, and pay per views. So I'm glad that you know we're out right. of that kind of like you know they're out of that death spot. And we might get one of those nights of WrestleMania might be a main evented by a women's match. It should be. And it, better it should. Be. <laughs> Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair should be the main event of one of the nights. I agree. Of WrestleMania, which is, again, I guess they're doing it over two nights to get yeah. the the fans, like, because they get like 20,000 fans. You do that twice, you get 40,000 fans. But, oh. uh, but. I definitely uh, think Sasha and Bianca Belair should I would assume they they would main event Saturday, and then you'd have Edge and Roman on Sunday. That's just my right. gut feeling. But that's, if I, anything my, else, you, you could swap them. You know that's fine. But if they don't have those two at the top of each night, uh, that's mine as well. I mean, Bobby, yeah. I, it'd be dope to have Bobby Lashley in the main event. But like Sasha and, and Bianca are more right. worthy, right. in my and, opinion. And I don't even know like that direction for Bobby Lashley at this point for Mania. That's so. a good question too. What the hell are they going to do with him? Yeah. But either way, yeah, we've come a long way where we could have two black women in the main event of yeah. WrestleMania too, yeah, potentially. That. Which I don't know if there's ever been. I think. I think there's only been one time where two black people have ever worn one-on-one in the main event of a WWE pay-per-view period. And I think that's The Rock and Booker T at SummerSlam 2001. Man. Right? And that was like The Rock's big return that year. I don't know if that's ever happened. That's happened since. Where two black people were in the main event of a pay-per-view, of a WWE pay-per-view one-on-one. So, that's a, this Sasha versus Bianca would be a historic match. So, for black people, obviously, I'm black, so go us, but for women in general, I know, right? It's crazy. But for women, they've come a long way in WWE, and that would be another... We already had a main event, no doubt. Uh, So, that was cool, and it should have been a one-on-one match that night. It wasn't, triple threat, for some reason. Uh, But we might get another main event of a night with Sasha... And Bianca. But moving on here at WrestleMania 30, we go backstage to Gene Oakland interviewing Hulk Hogan when Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, walk in. Of course, they were Hulk Hogan's opponents at the, in the main event of the very first WrestleMania back in 85 in Madison Square Garden. And then Mr. T comes in and it was like that whole match coming to life all over again. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T going against Mr. Wonderful and Roddy Piper. Even Pat Patterson came out in his referee outfit from WrestleMania 1. Which the story is, Muhammad Ali was a referee that match, but I don't think he was in good shape with the with the Parkinson's disease or something like that. So Pat Patterson had to come in as a referee, and they left Muhammad Ali on the outside. 
of the ring. But I think originally Muhammad Ali was supposed to be the actual referee in that match, and then Pat Patterson did it instead. But yeah, they, they you know they shook hands and buried the hatchet. But I think Piper and Mr. T had legit heat over the years. I don't think they actually liked each other. Because <laughs> um, remember they had that terrible match at WrestleMania two. Yeah. Uh, the boxing match, the boxing, which yeah. was awful. Um, at WrestleMania two, but then we move on. We get some. They show us some legends at ringside. We got Bret Hart, Bob Backlund, Harley Race, Bruno San Martino, and Dusty Rose all seated at ringside. Which, again, a nice touch to use some legends. Hey, they're sitting at ringside. They're enjoying the festivities. They are here to watch the current guys wrestle. Did they pay for those seats? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> My gut tells me they didn't. But I think it's still a but nice touch. But I gotta touch. pay for a ticket. Come on. I mean, hey, you you win a world championship. Hey, I was uh, unsung hero in two thousand three in my baseball team. So mm-hmm. let's go. Get me some counts something. I guess I had to count with something. But I do like it. I think it's a nice touch. Just you don't have to have the legends beating people up <laughs> or wrestling each other. Now these guys are they're a little older. They couldn't really wrestle anymore. Bob Backlund probably good, honestly, but. <laughs> Um, you know, but still, that's how you use legends. Yeah, unfortunate that Dusty, Bruno, and Harley are no longer with us. So rest in peace to all three of them. But um, again, I thought it was a nice touch to just have him sitting there hanging out, watching the show, and watching the main event, which is a triple threat match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Randy Orton defending against Batista and Daniel Bryan. Of course, we got Randy Orton. Getting played to the ring by Rev Theory, who is a band that performs his theme song. That they hear voices in their heads and they talk to him and mm. they talk to them and they understand. <laughs> Randy Orton, <laughs> who was walking around with two belts because they unified WWE and the World Heavyweight Championship to make them the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> what do you know? I remember everybody's like, 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 um, What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I'm trying to, it's what a C. They were speculating, not what a speed, not what a C at all. <laughs> not what a C, but with an S, actually. Oh, that's great. They were speculating as to what they would name the unified title. A lot of people thought it was going to be like the undisputed title again. I think, didn't they put up like a poll? On WWE.com or something like that, or WWE I like on Raw. Vaguely remember that. I think that's what happened. It's like, what do you want to name it? And they named it the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, which I wasn't really mad at. I, I liked it, so they just combined the names. How but have they not just used that for years? Like, how have they not just used it? I don't understand it. I don't know, <sighs> but they used it for a couple years. Then they went to like WWE World Championship. Then it just became a WWE Championship again. It's like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> Why did y'all? Sl- Take away the name, and especially when they brought out the Universal title, it wasn't the WWE World Heavyweight Championship anymore. And it's just like, stupid. Just make it one title anyway. I don't need it. I think it still says World Heavyweight Champion on the belt. It does. (laughs) It sure enough does. But it's not the WWE World Heavyweight Championship anymore. But Daniel Bryan's out. He is selling the arm because, of course, Triple H and Stephanie, or mostly Triple H. Uh, heard it earlier. Stephanie just berated him verbally, but uh, <laughs> or assaulted him verbally. Yeah, 
She she verbally assaulted him. Triple H physically assaulted him. Or she actually no, she physically assaulted him. She slapped him in the face a couple times. She did before Triple H snuck him from behind. <laughs> so we got Daniel Bryan, but let's talk about Batista real quick because he got screwed over in all of this. <laughs> like you mentioned earlier, what poor timing. Not only on his part, just WWE, because Batista comes back after, what, four years of being away from WWE. He went off to do movies, and he carved out a niche for himself, and now he's a big star. But he came back to WWE, like, hey, man, I still like to wrestle. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to do y'all the favor now, because I'm a big star. So let's do this, WWE, let's rock. And say, okay, naturally. You know what? We're going to do one better. We're going to put you in the main event in WrestleMania. And it probably the plan was probably to have Batista win the title in the main event of WrestleMania. So, yeah. And probably have him go do off and do like the um the promotional tours for Guardians of the Galaxy yep. while he's a WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Yep. Instead, <laughs> WWE brought him back while ignoring all this loud calamity that was happening over here, which was fans saying, Hey, we want Daniel Bryan. And Batista comes back like, hey, oh, wow. They really don't like me, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't want me at all. Like, the whole, remember he came out wearing blue one time? It was blue Tista. Yeah. <laughs> it was boo Tista. And it's like, I know Batista's like, damn, I didn't ask this, man. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, WWE, like, what does y'all do? Why does y'all do this? Like, how did y'all get me into this? Like, and it, after all of that, he didn't even win the title. Because, spoiler, Daniel Bryan wins the title. He not, doesn't wrestle for the title ever again. He doesn't get his one-on-one match for the title, which he was promised at by winning the Royal Rumble. He goes and j- jobs out to the Shield two months in a row and then leaves. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm done, bro. Like, I'm yeah. good. Like, y'all got it. Like, I'll put over the Shield, no doubt, because they they dope. But like, I'm done. Like, y'all y'all ain't got y'all creative is whack. <laughs> I'm going off back to to Marvel and Hollywood because. They treat me better. <laughs> He's right. So Big Dave yeah. got screwed over in this one. Yeah. This. No one, no one's fault but WWE's. Agreed. <laughs> so at some point though, Triple H and Stephanie come back out, trying to get rid of Daniel Bryan with the help of Scott Armstrong, who is apparently the a crooked referee at this point. I don't, I don't recall Scott Armstrong being the crooked ref like Nick Patrick or something like that but yeah he was like the authority ref where uh they would kind of like force him to do all this shady stuff and he did it and I don't remember exactly <laughs> like each time he did it but yeah he was like you know he might have screwed Daniel Bryan over here and there a few times so mm. yeah I remember him coming out and be like oh not this guy <laughs> no not that crook there's Michael Cole call him that crook Scott Armstrong. <laughs> he was just doing his job, man. He needed to pay his bills. I don't mean he was a crook. <laughs> Daniel Bryan got rid of him by kicking him in the head, and then did a dive on him on Armstrong, Triple H, and Stephanie. Knocked them all out. Yeah, and the then he hit Triple H with his own sledgehammer. It's like, damn, he was assaulting people out here. He did. He wasn't having any BS. No, this this is this is the this is the end. I'm need to get this done. But probably the best part of the match for me was when Randy Orton and Dave Batista alley oop Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Batista had Daniel Bryan set up on the, uh, for the Batista yeah. bomb. 
pulled him up in the air, tossed him up in the air, <laughs> and Randy Orton caught him on the way down, threw down that oop. Oh, man. I think that was supposed to be like uh, end of the RKO, but clearly didn't. I think Orton hurt himself <laughs> quite bad. Yeah, because I think he landed on one of the monitors. Uh, but it was it was a cool visual. I'll give him that. It was. It was alley-oop. They were like, yeah, we got to get rid of this guy, then we'll fight each other. <laughs> right. Get more uh, heat, you know. Right. Daniel Bryan was put onto a stretcher, was about to be wheeled out, but he fought his way back. No, get off me. I'm coming Valiant. back. Valiant. Valiantly coming back. And one thing I noticed, this match was okay. It was a good match, but there's a lot of good near falls at the end. Like, there's a couple times, like, Batista, like, he might have had it one, or Randy Orton. I was like, oh, and the people were into it. Like, it wasn't like when Brock hit that third at five, and people were, like, sitting down, waiting for what's going to happen next. Like, people were standing up. They were like, oh, and, you know, they would kick out. But at the end of the day, the right decision was made. Daniel Bryan not only won the title, but he did it by submission. He forced Dave Batista to tap out to win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship to finally put a nice little bow on a story that WWE did not want to tell and that he overcame the odds. He overcame the authority, calling him a B-plus player and just a guy to become the guy, the guy, the man <laughs> in the industry. It's a WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And we got fireworks and confetti and the people are going crazy. Michael Cole's calling him the Miracle Kid. The Miracle on Bourbon Street. I still think that was a pretty good call for Michael Cole. Uh, the fans, you know, after the disappointment of the Undertaker streak ending, they just, you know, turned right around at the 180. It was like, yay! You know, Daniel <laughs> Bryan's champion finally, you know, and after, after all like, of that. It was like the ones that they were leaving after Undertaker lost. And what was it like that Miami Heat game where they started coming back in? <laughs> oh, <before yeah>. the, <laughs> that's what they were doing. <laughs> that playoff game, right? They were like leaving, then yeah. they were trying to get back in the building. What was it? As a Chiefs fan, did that too when they when they were playing the Texans in the playoffs? Really, really. And the Texans, <laughs> the Texans went up like twenty-one nothing in the first quarter. And apparently, yeah. it's was legend. It's was, it was funny because it's like one fan in particular left the game and said it like on Twitter like yeah I'm, I'm out yeah, like I left that's right I remember and that. as soon as he left is when the Chiefs started coming back and all the fans <laughs> like you can't come back to a game no more <laughs> like in a joking way like I think the Chiefs even got in on it like it was that's like funny. he can't come back like you can't you got to stay home now for for good because we as soon as you as soon as you came we were stanking it and then you came back and you left and we came back and won so but yeah it was just it was just great to see because. You don't see those types of reactions anymore from guys winning the championship. I mean, it wasn't even Daniel Bryan's first title reign, technically. But you would have thought it was the way that people reacted. You know, we haven't had those moments. It was the story that made it. You know, it didn't have to be his first title win. It was the story about, you know, finally getting, like, being screwed so many times and finally getting that win, whether they backed into it. Backed into that story or not, the story was started at SummerSlam. So, yeah. in pro wrestling, you know, I guess it doesn't matter sometimes how you get there. And obviously, it didn't matter how they got there this time because the right decision was made. Uh, for, for whenever, I, I remember like perusing Twitter, and I don't know if it was like February or March, and they're like, WrestleMania plans have changed or whatever. It's like, whoa, 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 what? 
And I remember <laughs> like being glued to that because, and then like following on Raw, and you know, it was kind of clear the route they were going. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And then they, they did it. They finally did it. Right. And we were ready to run with that ball with Daniel Bryan, and then he got hurt and all that. But on this night, all was right. They did the right thing. And like I said, these moments these days are few and far between. It felt like they were like an annual thing. We get that storybook ending at WrestleMania. And to me, and I've said this before, WrestleMania is where storybook endings are supposed to happen. Yeah. Right? I understand you get heat at various times of the year. And you you know the villain might win sometimes, but at WrestleMania, if you have a card full of baby faces winning, I think that's okay. Like it's <laughs> just, that's the night where the storybook endings happen, especially when it comes to the main event. So that's what made like when Brock beat Roman Reigns in the main event in 2018. It made it so bad because like this is WrestleMania. I waited all year for this, and Brock just wins again. What the hell, like? This is where the storybook ending happens. This where, that was in the main event, too. It wasn't even like in an opening match or middle of the card. It was the main event of the show. That was garbage. But this, and like when Kofi won, and that wasn't even the main event, but the, the main event still had the storybook ending of Becky Lynch winning both titles, at least, and it was the women's main event. Then you got Kofi. Like, that was, that's what WrestleMania is about. That's what it's for, man. And when you miss that opportunity, which WWE sometimes does miss, like they, for whatever reason, just don't do it. It's like, dog, you know what to do here. It's, you've done the work getting here. The work is the storytelling, get to the, getting to this point and making people want to buy in to see WrestleMania and get behind whoever they want to get behind. But for you, it's a storybook ending. It's easy. Babyface goes over in the end. Done. That's it. Simple. <laughs> Every other show, I can understand if you don't do that. But at WrestleMania, in the main event, the babyface wins. Mm-hmm. For the most part. Now, I will say, <laughs> I will make an exception this year. <laughs> <laughs> if Roman Reigns beats Edge. Only because Roman Reigns is the current guy and Edge is the older guy. Yeah. So you put the newer guy over. But if, let's say, Roman Reigns is going against Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan should probably win that night. And then maybe he could lose it the next month or something. I don't know. But, yeah, that's what you do at WrestleMania, man. So that's what this was. One of those storybook endings, one of the best endings in WrestleMania history. And definitely in recent memory, because, again, we don't get these <laughs> endings too often. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, another exception would have been WrestleMania 31 the next year when Seth won, but the shock factor was—that's what got everybody. Like it's like shocking that somebody cashed in at WrestleMania and won the title that way. So that's another exception to the rule. But uh, but on this night we got the, the, the proper ending to a WrestleMania. Um, I, I just recall, you know, for, oh well, let me backtrack a little bit. We said this earlier. The authority should have ended on this night. <laughs> and then it should have ended at Survivor Series. <laughs> and then it should have ended at WrestleMania 31. <laughs> and then it should have ended so many times it should have ended. And we, it took it took a while. But yeah. we eventually got there. But I remember leaving the stadium after the show. And people were still talking about the streak. <laughs> 
Like people were like, I can't believe it's over, bro. Like I'm happy for Daniel Bryan, but I can't believe the streak is over. I can't believe it. <laughs> like that, that's real. I'm dead serious, man. But then I made my way to Bourbon Street. And by that point, nobody cared about yeah, the streak no more. They were in party mood and doing yes chants. And they were a little bit more upbeat by the time we got to Bourbon Street. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's New Orleans after all. That's kind of what you do. You try to just party and have a good time. And that's what that's what happened that night. So, again, I didn't get to enjoy it as much as I really wanted to. That didn't happen until, again, last year. when Trust me, I got to have plenty of fun. But... I still got to see it a little bit, and, and fans were happy and doing yes chants everywhere and drinking and carrying on. So, but yep, that's my time at WrestleMania 30. And I didn't know if you had anything else to put on that before we wrap it up. I'll just say, still think it's the greatest WrestleMania ever. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and just totally dispute it. Because again, we put it second place in our bracket a couple years ago. Uh, I will say it was definitely a very eventful WrestleMania. It's probably the most eventful. I'll give you that much. I'll give it that. I don't know if there's a WrestleMania where more happened than this one between the streak and Daniel Bryan. And maybe you could throw in a Cesaro too, winning the, the Battle Royal, even though at, at you know in the long run it didn't really mean that much. But at the time, that was a big deal, especially the way it happened. Yep. Yeah, that was it, it was pretty eventful, and everything leading up to it. There was a lot going into that too, like that show, like with the CM Punk stuff, and then finally put Daniel Bryan in that position. And then Batista's here, like Batista's just here, like he's here, he's a <laughs> yeah. thing, he's in the main event. And they, 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 they um, unified the titles. Like, there was a lot going on. WWE Network is a thing now. There was a lot going on heading into the show. Oh, by the way, Ultimate Warrior is back in the graces of WWE. Jake Roberts is clean in, in the WWE Hall of Fame. So is Scott Hall. Wow. There was a lot going on surrounding the show, leading up to the show. You could probably write a book. Just about from SummerSlam until this night. Everything else surrounding WWE at that point. There's a lot going on at that point. Yep. So I would give it the the moniker of the most eventful. So I don't think it's the best though. I still think 17 takes that kick. Even though it has I'll give it this much. It definitely has a better ending than 17. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, um, but I will but, you say know. seventeen probably has the bigger pop when uh, Linda stands up. Wow, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> true, bro. And I'm not even joking. That's one of the biggest. If you're going to, between the two shows, yeah. that pop is like in the top two or three of the yeah. pops. Yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. Between that and like Daniel Bryan winning the championship, yeah, that's pretty much it. I guess maybe Daniel Bryan beating Triple H. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. The little big man standing <laughs> up out of that chair was a huge pop. <laughs> I'll never forget that, man. That that crowd. <laughs> nuts. It was great. Crazy. But uh, with that, let's wrap it up for episode yeah, 276. Man. And Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. Yeah, you can follow me at Nick Picone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. 
You can listen to this podcast, phillyvoice.com, phillyinfluencer.com. And tune into Fox Sports The Gambler, uh, daily ticket 3 to 6 every Monday through Friday, iHeartRadio app. Uh, you might be hearing from us a little uh, a little bit uh, leading up to WrestleMania. So uh, check it out. All right. Well, I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. You can check me out there or potentially find me out here in these streets. I might start venturing out a little bit more since we're on the road to getting vaccinated. Things are slowly turning the corner back to normal slowly. We're not there yet. So I might be back out here in these streets a little bit more. Plus, the weather's getting nice up here in the Northeast. Spring is pretty much here. It's like 70 degrees a day, as you said earlier. So that's another reason to get out in the streets a little bit. But you can find my writing on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Got some big stuff coming down the pike. And, of course, check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Radio. We got some more Patreon content coming down, including our uh, deep dive into WrestleMania 33, which is a Patreon request. We will do that in the near future, and we're going to have more stuff coming down the pike. And if you want to request your own deep dive, again, patreon.com slash radio, pay the nominal fee, and we shall fulfill your request. For Nick Picone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 276 of the Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.